Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out and go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers I, I, this guy I, I, in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how was your new year? The new year was just fine. I mean, you got me up at the crack of dawn doing this. So <laughs> Noon. I w- it was a little ominous when I woke up. Uh, I did not wake up at my usual like 5 a.m. I woke up at a uh, at a more you know normal time that most humans wake up. And I saw you tweeting about like the All Japan show, and I, I did the math in my head, and it was like three hours ago. And I'm like, ah, oh, is this gonna be bad? <laughs> is this gonna be- like is he gonna be here? Is he gonna show up at, at the at the crack of dawn, aka noon? And uh, you're here. You're not the you know. Yeah. I don't know if you're quite 5 p.m. Joe or 6 p.m. Joe, but you're Joe nonetheless. So you, you got you got real like Joe Gagne Christmas draft energy right now when we do those things at 9 a.m. And <laughs> oh god, some of those. I mean, I'm like, remember that one year I was just stumbling into the, the one house was the me? best. Yeah, the one where like, where the hell is Joe? And you're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. We're like, what's wrong? And you're like, ah, I'm here, whatever. <laughs> like, it's like, we're like, well, yeah, God, you sound like death. You're like, I haven't slept. I'm like, okay, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, it was like 9 a.m. And it was on like a Saturday or Sunday morning or something. And it was uh, it was during my wild man days. And I had just stumbled into the house from a very questionable Tinder hookup. Highly questionable. Um, the later it is, the more questionable it is. You know, that Well, this goes. was at like 7 a.m., so I imagine this is pretty questionable. So. It was like four or five. Yeah, listen. Yeah, you know. that's that's. I mean, that's really where you should just shut the thing down and and go watch some seventies all Japan or something like that instead of. A... They, they call me all night Lanza for a reason. I didn't get over there at seven. <laughs> I got over there at like four, and then got home at nine. But um, it wasn't even worth it. I mean, I mean, I spent like four or five hours with her, but it still wasn't worth it. It was it was it was awful. It was highly questionable. I stumble into the house just in time. For the uh, for the festive Christmas draft, with with the with the two most pure people that you could ever, you know, like Joe Gagne and Alan. I mean, they don't, they don't need to hear about my debauchery. I mean, it's bad enough that you have to hear about my debauchery. Those are the two very pure souls. Yeah, that but, was the uh, closest we came to an intervention with, with you. I do remember that we were just like, oh man, Joe, come on. <laughs> like, like we told you know we we had planned this thing. It wasn't like a spur of the moment. Hey, let's do a Christmas draft. This was like weeks in advance, and it was like yeah, you know the the the, the temptation of of the questionable Tinder hookups was too much for Joe, and it, it it got pretty close to the point where you know me me you know and and I'm a pretty uh well adjusted man. I should say myself. I'm not I'm not a saint like you know Alan and and and, and Mr. Gagney, but um yeah, it was it was definitely one of those times where we were all just like ah, Joe, 
I, I think we might have to have a talk. Like, we're no longer going to support your uh, your destructive behaviors. So. I was on time and it went well. I mean, I turned it on when I needed to turn. You it did. On. It was I, that that was an all time performance. That was the the Jordan flu game uh, of Joe Lanza podcast performances. Because yeah, you get in, you're like, ah, what's up? And we're like, oh god, what happened? You're like, that's fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I'm like, Joe, yeah. you sound like absolute death. Like you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah, Alan goes, oh, welcome to the uh, Christmas special. And then Joe's like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That was yeah. That was an all timer. That um, you should be proud of yourself for that one. Uh, I'm sure you crashed immediately upon the end of that draft and, and probably slept for 24 hours straight hours. So. No, I, I, like I said, I think it was a Sunday. I think like the Rams were playing the Cardinals or something, and I had to get together for that too. But uh, you listen, you are no Saint C because you dabble with the devil's lettuce, Rich. So <laughs> right, we, right. We, we know. We, we Frequent know. weed smoker, Mr. Rich Crage. Yes, of course. Yes, we know that uh, you you absolutely are, 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 are no uh, pure man. Like those other two fellas, um, you allegedly, allegedly, won the Christmas draft again this year, mm-hmm. uh, making your your only the second. Listen, I think I won the first four or five years, and then uh, you <laughs> no, have won. Joe, the, that's not true. Gagney won one of them. I don't. Has I, Allen won one? We need to talk more shit about Allen. I don't think he's actually won one. I don't think Allen has ever won. Um, so that gives me seven or eight titles. Gagney won. <laughs> I don't think we've done it that long. And I mean, that's what I recall. I think you won the Scuzzy Pearl one. I'm trying to remember all the Christmas drafts you did. By the way, these are on the PW Torch. By the way, as well, Alan Forel. Um, the well, some are some are on the Observer. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, right, right, right. It did begin on the Observer. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So there was the Scuzzy Pearl, um, or just the overall Pearl, but it got real bad real quick. And then we had to like you were diving into zero one guys and like you know and and you and Alan and 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 to a lesser extent Joe were able to really dig into like the deep pearl and I was just completely out to lunch on on that stuff. I, I think I'd be better now than I was then, but then it was it was a little tricky. But then so there was that there was the Indies one. I so I won the Indies one and then the uh, the the down in the dumps you know American wrestling ninety one to ninety three era. I forget which ones you you won pearl. There was an 80s WWF one too that I think you won or maybe Gagney won. I, I'm I'm trying to remember all the ones that we've done. There was a new there was a new Japan, there was a WCW Nitro era. Um I can't remember them all either. But I think I won nine or ten at this point, <laughs> and I think Gagney slipped in there with one. And uh, you allegedly have won the last two years. I, I you know what? <laughs> this year was pretty dirty. I, I did you pretty dirty this year. I, I set an alarm on my phone <laughs> to know when the one hour was left. Yeah, and then I hit and, the I hit the streets hard. I was canvassing like no other man. I was calling, phone banking, emailing, and putting you know putting some slipping some some Lincolns in some pockets. Like I was I was really wheeling and dealing that last hour. We're all glad that Rich finally got a couple under his belt because he's talking about me stumbling into the draft. Uh, at, at nine o'clock in the morning from a rough night out, this guy used to get on the calls and just be grumpy as fuck because he hadn't won one yet. So he finally won a couple. Like I'm talking about taking heavy shots at people, and he was grumpy enough on the shows themselves. You should have heard him before the show started. <laughs> and, and you know he'd be like, so so you know affable Allen would be like, okay, is everybody ready to go? Uh, um, uh, Rich, are you ready to go? Yeah, I guess so, but what's the point? <laughs> I'm just going to come in last, and uh, what's really the point of breathing and being alive and uh, eat at Arby's? You know, that'd be rich every year before the thing would start. 
and you know because he'd be he'd be so grumpy about never winning. So I'm glad you finally got a couple under your belt because now the pressure's off, and uh, maybe you won't be such a jerk. Yeah, I can have fun again. I can have fun again yeah. for sure. It'll be good. Yeah, maybe you won't have to, you know, uh, take Carlos Colon when he clearly doesn't qualify <laughs> under the rules of the. You know, <laughs> under the rules per, laid out. Per Allen, Puerto Rico is a part of America, so I'm going to go with it. So, You know that that was not within the spirit <laughs> of the rules. Flags fly forever, man. You know what I mean? It, it's so. Um, it's Houston no. Astro. Houston Astro style here. <laughs> still, still World yeah. Series champs. Still champs, no matter what. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, now at least. You know, you, you know, you won't be uh, so uh, savagely angry at us uh, next year. The problem is we're running out of draft ideas. I mean, pretty soon, you know, the, the Christmas draft is going to be like, you know, uh, CZW from uh, 2006 <laughs> right, right, to right, 2011. Right. You know, yeah, uh, 2020 WWE will be our next draft. <laughs> it's, it's trying to try to formulate a decent card out of yeah, a CZW and 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 current WWE or, or yeah, 60s fucking French catch style wrestling we'll have to yeah you know dig dig first, deep into the fucking archives here first round pick ruckus in the czw draft <laughs> coming up to a, a podcast feed near you i really don't know what direction we're gonna go um you know there's there's i mean what else could we do it's it's got to be hard who comes up with the topics gagney right i think it's i believe it's gagney yeah that, that, that comes up with them so we got to do something that rich knows nothing about to kind of we got to level him back off and humble him um, so, uh, let me think, maybe we should do like dying days, AWA or something like that and have rich scrambling on Wikipedia, looking up crusher Blackwell, <laughs> right. Trying to figure out which way to go with that, you know? And then, uh, because that's a good punishment pick. Like if you, if you double pick in that one, we should just, we should give you buck Zumhoff. You got to have buck <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you have to have multiple right. sexual abuse, <laughs> sexual assaulters on your, on your show. So uh, right. Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. Yeah, someone suggested uh, '70s NWA, Dory Funk Jr. Number one pick, I'm sure. So, oh, that fucking guy. Can we not yeah, talk about Dory? I, I I I cannot believe that this year fucking started with you and Dave Meltzer arguing about Dory Funk Jr. for hours on end. It was just every I time I look back at my phone, I was like, still, it's still going on. How is this still going on? I got texts from people that were like, tell Joe to stop. Like, there's no way this year should begin with a Dory Funk Jr. argument. So. Yeah, on New Year's Eve, no less. I know. I was um, looking down. I was like, what? Well, I got nothing going on on New Year's Eve. That's a drinker's holiday. That's never been much of a holiday for me. I you know, I hate the it. Last, I'm not a big fan of it either. So, The last seven years, I, I've usually spent it bunkered down, desperately trying to finish up the book while you're off getting drunk, worrying that the books never come out because I've got 17 profiles left to write. But this year, I was done with the book the day before. Plug the book, Rich. Go ahead and plug the Voices book. Voicesofwrestling.com slash books, the New Japan Year in Review ebook. It is up. It is live. It is the number one bestseller on Amazon as well. Uh, I do, don't need to qualify it by saying in the wrestling division. I'm just going to say number one bestseller on Amazon because that is not incorrect. Uh, beating the Young Bucks, beating Jim Ross, beating a bunch of uh, Erotica. We, we, yeah, the, the Erotica stands no chance this year. We used to be neck and neck with the Erotica. The Erotica is so far behind us. We're so far past it. But uh, uh, slash books, uh, profiles, essays, stats, a foreword by John Moxley in the book. I mean, it is a ton of stuff. And the best part about it that we always say, you can download it for free if you'd like. We have options there at slash books, or uh, you could pay $5.99 at Amazon. 
or you can also do a name your own price as well, where you can say, um, my suggested retail price for that is $10,000, 15,000 is nice too, but whatever you want to give us, whether it's a dollar, whether it's $10,000, we will take it. And, uh, anything that happens, uh, or anything that we make gets split among the contributors for the book as well. So yeah, make sure you go and, and do that again. You can download it for free. What a lot of people do is they download it for free just to make sure just to check. Oh, is this really worth my money? And then usually they come back and they go, Oh God, yeah, it's well worth my money. I'm going to give them, you know, five bucks or $2 or $10 or whatever. Uh, it is an, unga- it's three over 300,000 words this year. It is pretty lengthy. And honestly, the thing that I like the most about this year's book, and, and I mentioned it in a few other things that I've talked about is it's not just a glowing, like in prior years, it was just a glowing love letter to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Every single essay, every single profile was just, this is great, this is good, this is incredible. This year, I, I like it that there is, a, I mean, there is still that. There's still people that say this is the best year ever because, you know, Naito won, or this is a great year because El Desperado had a great year, or this guy had a great year, or this was fun, and this is, but then there's also the, hey, I don't think this is very good anymore, or hey, this isn't for me anymore. Like, there's a lot of really fun stuff in this book and a lot of little kind of, Different opinions for the first time ever in, 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 in the case that it, it really did feel like for a few years there. And I had no problem with that. It absolutely deserved it. But it did, did feel like, you know, a 1,000-page a love letter to New Japan. And this year, it is a little bit of varied, uh, you, know, you know, opinion between stuff. Like, your Gato profiles are usually, like, these glowing, like, oh, my God, Gato's the best booker ever. Here's the masterful stuff he did. And this year was a little bit more of, hey, here's stuff that I didn't really like that he did this year. So I, 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 I like that about this year's book. But, uh, yeah, we've rave reviews so far for it. So people are, are loving it. Uh, and if you have not downloaded it yet, voicewrestling.com slash books, a great way to read, uh, you know, before Russell Kingdom. But then we also always say that it's not meant to be, you know, read before the January 4th and then just thrown away and never used ever again. Like throughout the year, I mean, you can look at stats, you can look at profiles, keep it, keep it near you. That that's essentially what we're going for. We are going for the Bill James handbook, the baseball prospectus thing where like all year long, it just sits on your coffee table or, you know, your iPad or your, your laptop and you can kind of reference it and go back or whatnot. But uh, yeah, really, really great essays this year. Uh, the John Moxley forward is, is incredible. It's perfectly Moxley. Uh, and then the profiles and the stats and the rankings and the power rankings and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's nuts uh, all the way I have in this year's book. It's crazy. Yeah, and we're so far removed from the first couple, you know, 2014, 2015. That's fun to go back and see what we wrote in those, particularly in with predictions and you know, uh where, you know, where certain wrestlers have gone and what they've done since then. So there's 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 value in all of them. You know, these these aren't it's not like a newspaper where the next day it has no more value. So you can go back and get all the old ones too. They're all right there on Amazon. All you have to do is search author Joe Lanza, and uh, all of the books will uh, will come up on Amazon, uh, and you can get them all there for five ninety nine each. I don't think you could do the pay hip option anymore for the older books. Oh, you can. Yeah, yeah, they're still up there on pay hip. Oh, okay. Voicewrestling.com slash books. All the links are right there, so you can, you can still do the pay hip on all those as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, the minimum payment on pay hip for the older books is $100. Yes, so, that, is, that is true, um, yeah. You, you might have to. That's not the worst uh, idea. I should go set that right now. Before. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. a bad idea. Hey, look, it's an old one. It's in the art. We could do the Disney style thing where we put it back in the vault. You know what I mean? And the only way it can come out of the vault is if you you pay up. That's not a. That's not a, the worst idea that you've had. Yeah, that that's uh, that's true. But um, you know, go get the book, pay something for it. Make sure these contributors. Uh, you know, if if you've never read it and you think it might stink. Go ahead and get it for free. But then, you know, if you think it's good, go back and, and get it again, but pay us what you think it's worth, you know. And uh, the contributors get paid directly on based on what we make on it. 
So they're they're just getting a percentage. So, um, you know, if you don't care about being rich, you know, but you want to make sure these artists get fed and, uh, you know, all these writers get taken care of, the only way to do that is uh, to make sure everybody buys the book. So um, let's make sure everybody makes decent amount of money on this. Have yeah, we had sure. any um, – have we had any um, – you know, benevolent invest. Every year we have one or two people like anonymous spend an exorbitant amount. On yeah. The book so far, I think the highest year. I've seen, the highest I've seen is 20 uh, this year, but I have not checked in a few, uh, I haven't checked in a few hours. So let me, uh, let me see if I can do a quick little yeah. uh, search here. Cause that is always fun to see. Like, yeah, someone just goes uh, nuts with it and gives us a shit ton of money, which is awesome. Cause uh, there's also you, a lot of fun names that you can reveal in the emails every year too, where we're like, "Oh, hey, look who bought the book!" It's, yeah, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that is always a fun. Yeah, which you know, some of the newer contributors, you know, that guy you're writing about, just be careful. I always it. say, don't <laughs> be careful. He might read it. Yeah, so you know, you're gonna bring the listen. That I'm not saying don't bring the fire. I bring the heat, but uh, they might read it. So, We've had uh, a, a number of uh, of these people reach out to us as well. It's not, uh, you know, hey, yeah. I read my profile, and you know, they're they're usually pretty cool with it. But yeah, there's some guys that are like, yeah, just to let you know, like, you know, this this this, like, yeah. So, but th- that uh, is one thing that that I've always I because we always tell people, hey, you know, be aware that like people might read this thing. You, you know, what I mean, like people that you, you might be writing about a guy. Who, who who may read it, but we always say that we, we, we don't mind that, and what, what we end up finding out, because I think a lot of people get scared, that like, oh no, it's like, I don't want to say something about this guy, and he's going to get mad or whatever, more times than not, your actual professional wrestlers, your real pro wrestlers, not your little like scuzzy indie dudes that get upset about every fucking thing or whatever, but your actual pro wrestlers, like, those guys don't mind, they really don't care, they'll usually say, hey look, you know, whatever, but like, just to let you know this, this, or this, and and if they are mad, they're mad for like 10 minutes, and then they're not really mad, or, or, or you know, a lot of them will take it, I, I think a lot of them enjoy it, I think a lot of them hear so much praise, and so much, you know, backslapping and stuff, that they like an idea of somebody being honest with them, and it makes them reflect on it, or whatnot, so that, that's always what I say, like, yeah, there are a few that will definitely get upset and get annoyed or whatever, but more times than not, we have a guy that will say, "Ah, you know, fuck you guys, yeah, yeah, whatever," and then like two minutes later, be like, ah, "I appreciate you guys, you guys are cool." So, uh, type stuff. So, I, I, I think there's always this hesitation to write about people or to, you know, uh, be actually critical if, if if you want to. But yeah, I think more more of these guys appreciate it than you would think. I think a lot of these guys are like your real pros, pros. Like I said, not your you know scuzzy indie guys. They get upset about everything. So. Uh, appreciates a strong word. I mean, we've, we've had a few, you know, like who, who wrote that? Remember that? Remember oh yeah. That one? Who wrote that? Did, did so-and-so write that? We're like, no, so-and-so does not write here. Um, swear, you know, he, he did this, this wrestler swore that someone who he obviously has a lot of heat with wrote an article on our site under an assumed name oh, right. <laughs> to get him. And we had to like convince this guy. We're like, we promise. Like he wasn't even like Rich is saying. The guy wasn't even so. Look, he wasn't thrilled with the content of what was written, but it wasn't like it was gonna ruin his day or ruin his life. He, but if the person he thought wrote it had written it, it was gonna ruin his day and ruin his life. And he thought, anyway, it wasn't the person he thought that wrote it. This is such a terrible story without using the names. <laughs> I know, but we can't. We can't. I can't use the names <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. And uh, it really was just one of our writers. It wasn't, you know, anybody using an assumed name or anything. And and eventually uh, we convinced the guy. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's like we tell everybody who does 
any audio or writes anything, you know, assume that whoever you write or talk about is going to read or hear it. You know, because in many cases they're going to, and that goes right. for the book and as it de- well. And it also depends what language. I mean, don't don't think that because they're not primarily English speaking that they don't also no. uh, read it. Yeah, that that became a, a thing that we found out a few years ago that uh, uh, it is not just English speakers that read our our, our stuff. So, Mm-mm. no, you know, you you really you just you truly never know. But uh, you somebody know, paid thirty five dollars. Somebody paid thirty five dollars for the book, which I think is a fantastic price. So whoever did that, yeah. you're cool, and everybody else, you should probably also pay thirty five dollars. So yes, everyone go back and, and pay thirty five dollars, <laughs> and go read the book that the pros read. That's a good oh, mm. that's next year's. That's next year's look. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently looking through the emails to see uh, who, but forward, these guys... forward by forward by John Moxley. You didn't even mention that. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I don't pay attention to you. I can tell. So. We, you know, we got the forward by John Mott. That's a big time forward. That's a big time. Yeah, what a what a that was. It took a little bit of work. It was a little nerve wracking at certain points. I uh, wasn't sure if it was actually going to happen, so I didn't want to advertise it until it officially officially happened. And then it happened, and it was. It's exactly Moxley. It's exactly how you would assume John Moxley would write a forward to an ebook. Uh, the interactions we had with John Moxley were exactly the type of interactions I would assume I would have uh, with the John Moxley. It was uh, it was it was a thing, and I'm pretty glad uh, we were able to be a part of it. Imagine an office workflow with John Moxley. That's how this went down. Yes. It, you know, so it was, and I'm not even burying the guy. No, I mean, no, it's exactly how I, I do. I wish I could live his life like that. That he has the attitude to life that I wish I had, but I don't have. Replies to emails with no subject in three words. <laughs> right. It's just so fantastically Moxley. Yeah, so to, to to kind of pull the curtain back. So uh, essentially, you know, we we had reached out to him. We we had you know. Talked to him and he said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'll do it or whatever." He goes, "Ah," and I, I, I gave him a bunch of info and he's like, "Ah, just remind me, you know, kind of Lanza style. Ah, just remind me whenever you need it or whatever." And I was like, "Okay, you know, he's ah, let me know the last day I can give it to you, <laughs> type thing. Like, you know, what's the, what's the absolute last day I can can work on this thing for you guys?" Um, yeah. so. I decided to pump that up about a week and a half, just in case, just in case. I wasn't literally going to tell him uh, the final day. So I, I reach out to him, and he goes, ah, thank you. Yeah, I completely forgot. All right, cool. Uh, I'll do it for you uh, this week. And I went, okay, cool. No less than three and a half minutes later, <laughs> boom, here it is. Like, yeah. Ah, here you go. There. How's that good? And I was like, yeah, that's good. All right, cool. Thanks. <laughs> the end. Well, you know, not before asking us, hey, do you guys watch pro wrestling Noah and shit? And we're like, uh, Yeah. You know, so didn't know know what that had to do with anything, but I guess he just wanted to know, you know, if we were a well-rounded site or whatnot. Well, I, I, I guess threw, I threw some links you... to Noah reviews. I, I'm thinking maybe this yeah. maybe he wants to read read up on Noah. So I don't know. But, uh... I thought maybe he just wanted to chat some Noah. I That's thought a, yeah, maybe he yeah. wanted to, You know, I thought he was going to ask us what the hell's going on with the junior division. You know, <laughs> right, what the who's in Stinger now? Do you guys know who's in Stinger right now? Like I, I don't actually. Listen, John. Nobody knows who's in Stinger <laughs> right, right now. I can't That's, actually answer that for you. So. It's an open-ended question. It changes daily. Um, so yeah, no, but, uh, forward by John Moxley. I thought he did a tremendous job. Um, and, uh, yeah, go pay, uh, $35 for the, <laughs> to read the book, the pros read. Um, there's no sponsor this week. So no we're sponsor. Plugging our own, plugging our own yeah, shit. Yeah. I was making some point about the book. I don't even remember what it was. Who cares? Um, Oh, new, oh, about New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve, yeah. About you usually, like, yeah, me, me, drunkenly texting you, "Hey, how's it going?" And you being like, ah, "I'm fine, I'm fine, leave me alone." <laughs> you know, as you're yeah, I'm like, ah, the next on, great Rich. classic, 
uh, while you're, got... you're writing up <laughs> Yoshinobu Kanemaru's profile. And I'm like, yeah. God, Joe, come on. <laughs> like, you're like, wow, one sec, one sec. And it's, you know, it's like, nobody cares about Kanemaru. Just fucking give it to me so I can get the book ready. Rich pleading with me to just get Manabu Nakanishi over with <laughs> right. so he can hit publish on this thing. And uh, you're like, yeah, I got to see how Kanemaru did in uh, Multiman Tags this year. And I'm like, nobody cares. Yeah, I'm just trying to put some hard work in. And yeah. Rich just cracks the whip. You know, he doesn't he doesn't appreciate it. I'm trying to to write some some poignant, witty prose on uh, somebody like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Manabu Nakanishi. And Rich is just, you know, he's he's 15 beers in and he doesn't he doesn't care. Um, but not this year. It was all done. Instead, uh, Dave Meltzer got mad at me for saying that Dory Funk Jr. stinks. And I think it just goes to. uh now I've I've tweeted that Dory Funk Jr. stinks many times, many times over the years. I think this speaks to the problem, one of the main problems on Twitter, even among people who are mutual followers. We have been mutual followers with Dave Meltzer for many years. He he knows he's aware of us. He knows who we are. Um, I've met the man several times, but even if you have a mutual follower who you know you kind of know, they don't always understand your tone. And I think that's the crux of 90% of the problems on Twitter. People just dropping into threads or seeing random tweets and not understanding each other's tone. You know, all of our listeners probably read that tweet in my voice and completely understood what I was saying. Uh, There's that wacky Lanza again, burying Dory Funk Jr., right? But someone who doesn't understand my tone, you know, he took it literally. I think if I would have said, hey, Dory Funk Jr., I find him boring. He probably never would have replied and none of this ever would have happened. But because I said Dory Funk Jr. stinks, right? He's like, that. that's where the problem came yeah, in. Right, right, right. You know, and then it becomes a, and then it became a debate on, you know, uh, wrestling critique theory and all of that, which I still disagree with the points he was making, but it wasn't like a fight or this, uh, or a knife fight or this angry thing where people are unfollowing each other. It was nothing like that. It was just a, 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 a friendly debate where I vehemently disagree with his stance. I mean, um, you know, people can go back and read it, but, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with uh, evaluating or critiquing something against the standards of its own time. It's weird because I agree with him and disagree with him. I do think you have to evaluate things against the standards of their own time. Rich and I talk about that all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of our one of our early mantras of the show when we were arguing with people constantly about, interestingly enough, New Japan is is I think you know what started it. New Japan and, and the American Indies, which is is funny because in 2020 we became you know public enemy number one for the Indies and, and New Japan, even though we spent the first you know five years of this podcast arguing with people about how great the American Indies and New Japan were. So, oh, New Japan hardcores hate our guts now. Absolutely, fucking and that hate was... us. Yeah, we are rent free in their fucking minds too. It, it is pretty hilarious, but. That was a matter of time. I've also said from the beginning, everyone will eventually turn on us. We, if you listen to this show long enough, we will, we will shit on something you love. It's it's inevitable. Everybody listening to this right now has has heard us completely destroy something in wrestling that they love, and you know that that's eventually going to happen. And you know because New Japan finally, for the first time in a long time, wasn't great, which we'll get into with the Wrestle Kingdom stuff. I'm sure. Uh, the New Japan fans uh, have turned on us. They were, they, I guess, the last set of fans. I guess the AEW fans haven't had a chance to turn on us yet, but they will. Oh, they will. They, they will. You know, 
you know, because if you just give an honest opinions, eventually you're going to shit on something. And, um, you know, um, this little honeymoon period for the, for the AEW hardcores uh, with us, because we haven't really had a chance to really shit on anything yet. I mean, obviously, there's ups and downs with every pay-per-view and the end of December last year was pretty bad and all that. But, um, you know, it, it, but yeah, the New Japan fans finally turned on us, the American indie fans. And the American indie wrestlers uh, <laughs> don't like us very much. You know, I don't think the Alley Cat is tuning in this week um, to listen to. Uh, I heard she had another terrible match, by the way, on New Year's yeah, Day. Yeah, people it. are regarding it as one of the worst things they've ever seen in their entire lives. And and that's for people I trust and people that are not usually like that hyperbolic uh, about stuff. And they're like, no, this yeah. is literally one of the worst things I've ever seen. So I really, I kind of have to go out of my way to see this now, right? Because if it's that bad and people are telling us it's that bad. I think I got now, watch it, right? I think I've pretty much got the idea. I've seen enough of the Alley Cat to know what was is up it, with is that. It, I think, is it um, involved with your old friend Pinky Sanchez, too? Is, is, am I correct in that? I don't know. I don't think Pinky Sanchez was in the match. I think it was a tag match. I think it was uh, Effie. Um, I can't fucking remember. It was <laughs> Who cares? A, Whatever. <laughs> the Game Changer show on New Year's Day. I mean, just take the same 12 people and reshuffle them into another match. I mean, that's basically you get the gist of it. Um, I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. But the point here is it's just tone, you know, and um, I wasn't literally saying that he stinks. I mean, he stinks to me. I've never liked Dory Funk Jr. Um, 99% of the matches I've seen of his over the years have been just fucking the boring dreck that I sat through that night. I mean, it was Dory and Terry versus uh, Mil Mascaris and Jose Lothario Mm. in a tag match in Houston. And look, Terry was fine. Terry's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Mil Mascaris was doing Mil Mascaris things, you know, you know, flying double chops across the head and all, all his uh, bullshit. And Jose Lothario was bringing that Jose Lothario fire in Houston, Texas. But who dragged the match down? Dory. Like Dory always does with his fucking side headlock takeovers and, uh, you know, grinding things down to a halt. If you're into watching side headlock takeovers and, uh, you know, holding guys in holds for, uh, you know, four minutes at a time. I guess Dory's for you. I, I just I, – I never – and again, versus the context of his own era, I just don't even think he was very good. Not – you know, he just wasn't interesting to me. Um, right there on that same show, there was a Harley race, Andre the Giant, main event, two out of three falls. It was great. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I do agree with judging things again. There's no point in judging Dory Funk Jr. against Kenny Omega. I mean, they're, they're doing two complete – that speaks to Dave's point. They're serving two completely different masters and and doing two completely and performing for two completely different audiences. And you can compare them if you want. I just don't see a lot of value in that. In a lot of ways, I agree with Dave's argument, but I don't see why I can't think Dory Funk Jr. stinks against his peers. Right, against, right, right. Uh, you know, ranked against his peers, you know. And and I and and I don't really have a huge problem with people who rank people across different eras. I I've always kind of been uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I don't like it. That- I mean, I don't like it in wrestling, and I don't I don't really like doing it in sports too. And we've talked about that a lot as well. I, I like for basketball. Obviously, on the Over and Back podcast, we you know we we talk you know basketball history and all that sort of stuff. And people are always saying, okay, who are who are your top five players of all time, or who are your top ten, or whatever. And I'm like, I don't really like doing it because. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played an entirely different game than LeBron James plays. Like, it's not even the same universe. Will Chamberlain may as well have played on, on you know, 200 years ago, given where the NBA's gone over the last. And the thing with yeah. baseball, too. We talked about it, you know, a few weeks ago. With like, home run Baker. He had fucking nine home runs. It was like, ah, look at home run Baker. <laughs> he really like, could hit yeah. the big one. And then, like, you know, 10 years later, Babe Ruth comes and just 
totally blows the door off of everything that existed, you know, prior to that in baseball. And then, yeah, you, you get the 90s and the 2000s, and it makes, you know, the 70s. I mean, every decade, sports just dramatically changes. Yeah, comparing quarterbacks from the 60s to today's quarterbacks is stupid. You know, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. They're running fucking wishbone options in the NFL, and now you have Kyler Murray. Like, you know, they're not the same humans. Like, they're not even the same people at all. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, the argument that you're performing for that audience in that time and space is absolutely true. Terry Funk is the best example of that because he reinvented himself throughout his entire yeah. mm-hmm, career. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch him in the mid-90s in ECW, and he's wrestling for that crowd completely different wrestler than he was in 1979 or 1985 WWF or 1989 in WCW, you know, and, and, you know, he goes to ECW and hardcore was in and that's what that audience wanted. And he wrestled that style. And then he started, you know, he, he started doing moonsaults because high spots became a thing. Terry Funk's a perfect example of being uh, someone who adapted throughout his career and wrestled for the crowd in front of him. So I completely agree with all those arguments. I disagree that you can't go back and watch old old footage within the context of its time and then and then have an opinion on it. I mean, so that that part I completely uh, uh, disagree with, even though I agree with the, the basis of his argument. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to like maybe not knowing how much you've seen or not. Like, and, and that's the problem with Twitter too. Is like people jumped on it and acted like you have never seen. Like you just randomly stumbled upon a Dory Funk Jr. Yeah. match, watched one of them, and said, "This guy fucking sucks. I hate him." And it's like, no, no. Like, trust me, I'm an idiot. I watch a lot of this bullshit. I, you know, you'll spend nights yeah. watching old fucking seventies wrestling for no goddamn well, that, reason. Well, like, that's that's why I made the tweet. I was watching that 1979 Houston house show that night. You know, that's what I had on, and I, it was just a stream of consciousness tweet. I was tweeting about the show. I had a couple different tweets about that show that night. Um, you know, and and how you know it was a terrible show, by the way. Don't go watch that show. I mean, it's a decent show on paper, and then it was terrible. I mean, outside of the main event, there's eh, the women's match was okay. Um, there was you know the show was bad, but Houston was never a great territory. I mean, it, it's very slow paced, and even for its time. Um, you know, but as our pal Justin Bissonette pointed out, it wasn't really a territory. It was really just one city mm-hmm. that kind of ran independently of the territory it was in. But nobody needs to get into all that on this show. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, that that too, exactly. And that's what I was speaking to. You don't always know who you're replying to or who you're talking to. And I have no idea if Dave Meltzer is aware of how much Dory Funk Jr. I've seen. So, I, I mean, that's why I wasn't angry or anything. I Plus, you have to understand... Um, you have to know a little bit of something about Dave, number one, um, and, and 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 it's 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 you have to understand that not everyone who's arguing or debating with you is always doing it with evil intentions. They mm-hmm. don't always think you're an asshole, and sometimes you're just having a disagreement. And look, at least we're having that kind of debate instead of the kind of shit that people argued about last year. You know, and it's like this is just a innocent stupid wrestling critique uh debate and 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 hopefully there's more of that and uh you know less arguing about shit that has nothing to do with wrestling you know in in on, on wrestling twitter but um and and, and a lot of the, the is look it's a terrible year we all know that um but uh 
Yeah, I don't know. That was the that was the Dory Funk Jr. thing. What else are we doing on this fucking yeah, show? Yeah, so we have a well, format on, for this fucking thing? on this I fucking mean, show, uh, we are going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we're going to preview both nights yeah. uh, of Wrestle Kingdom. We are going to touch on uh, as, as well. And, and we, for people that don't know, I mean, obviously we recorded our show last week. Early, early in the week. I think we did it on Tuesday or something like that. So, obviously, we wanted to avoid the Christmas holiday. Uh, and as such, we unfortunately missed the uh, the, the news of uh, Brody Lee's passing. And we were able to, obviously, you know, digest that over the weekend. Watch the show that uh, AEW put on this week as well, which I thought was just an all-time, all-time great. Uh, not even just an all-time great tribute show. I think it's, like, unquestionably the best tribute show I've ever seen. Uh, in, in pro wrestling history, but one of the all-time great wrestling shows in, in history. And I really, truly, and, like, that's not hyperbole. Like, when it was done, it was like, wow. You, you know, like, you just kind of had this feeling. Like, they fucking knocked that out of the park in the best way that you can possibly do it. And it sucks that the circumstances were what they were. And I hope they never have to do it ever again. But you you will not, like, the, 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 the new standard's been set for, for how to, you know, properly honor uh, you know, a fallen comrade, or properly following, uh, you know, a, a fallen, you know, uh, wrestler, fellow, fellow colleague, whatever. I mean, that was just uh, what a show uh, that was. And again, it's absolutely terrible the circumstances that happened. But uh, well, let, let's react a little bit to the the Brody Lee stuff. So obviously, his his passing away. Now we're like a week out from it or whatever. So you know that everyone's kind of giving their reactions and their thoughts about that. We got a very ominous DM that it was the twenty sixth, I think. That someone said, "Hey, do you know about the death in AEW?" And I'm like, "Oh God, no! What are you talking?" And like, they're like, "Oh, it's really like you know, it's 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 somebody that you're never gonna guess, or you know, it's completely out of nowhere, untimely, yeah, described. untimely or out of nowhere." And like, my brain immediately goes to Jake, Arn, Tolly, you know what I mean? Like those sort of guys. You know, mostly goes to like guys like Jake or whatever. And I'm like, "Yeah, you we're know. just thinking older people, right?" Like yeah, when they say untimely, gonna... I'm thinking, "Yeah, I I didn't hear. You know, I thought Jake was doing well, but you know, maybe he he." came down with something or aren't you know whatever and then to come to find out you know an hour or so later i get a text that goes oh my god brody lee and i'm like oh god is that who died and i'm like no way and i look and it's like holy shit he's the one that died and it was like i my, i was never i was not prepared for that whatsoever i was like a nervous wreck when we got that text about the death and i'm thinking in my head and i'm doing the dumb you know stupid kind of death pool thing thinking oh man who's you know who, who could possibly you know who was sick or all that sort of stuff i never in a million years would have guessed brody lee and absolutely gutted when i saw that news well, it all made sense when the news came down because then you're like, oh, well, this explains why he's mysteriously right, been off right. TV for two months. And, you know, um, it, it really speaks to the culture of the company that that remained completely under wraps. I mean, it's pro wrestling. And you're almost you could always find somebody willing to talk or spread a rumor or say something they're not supposed to say. But that remained completely under wraps. Um, you know, the, the dire state that he was in uh, towards the end. And I think it just speaks to that, the culture of that company and, um, and that locker room and the respect they had for him and his wishes too and his family's wishes. This guy, obviously, um, whatever, with everything that everybody has seen over the last week, I mean, I don't, I don't think I, I've seen this much unanimous praise of a human being that I've seen for, I mean, I think everyone would agree. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it too, because he was so universally loved by everybody he ever met. I mean, I've never seen this kind of, and you can just feel that it was from the heart, from everyone who wrote or spoke about him over the last week. So you combine that with the culture AEW has, and it just, it, it, 
they they followed through on his wishes and it really did remain private until until he did pass, which is incredible. Um, you know, so that's number one. Number two, the show itself was like Rich said, it was awesome. It was just you hope you never have to see one again. You don't want anybody to die who way before their time like that. Um, you know, just we don't know all the details, obviously, but obviously he came down with this awful whatever disease it was. It's just terror. It's just a horrible story. He's got a three-year-old who may, who probably is never going to remember him. Yeah. You know, but what that three-year-old will have is this show. And uh, what this three-year-old is lucky enough that a lot of, of uh, people in their position wouldn't have is their father you know, was on television for a decade or, or whatever. And at least that kid – think his name is nolan we'll have that you know but it's a shame that he won't have any real memories likely won't have any real memories of his father and and you know the other boy is probably only eight or nine and now there's a wife without a husband it's just it and you know this one you know hit me kind of a different way especially watching you know the tribute show so uh just from that perspective and uh, I just think Tony Khan and everybody else who had anything to do with putting that together just, you know, they just, they just did a, a tremendous job. I mean, that was that was great for the fans. I think it was great for the wrestlers. And you can just feel the heart that was put into it. And it was great for uh, that family. Mm-hmm. And that's a piece of footage that they can watch forever. You know, whenever they're missing the guy, they can watch that and, you know, and, and, and and see how much his peers cared about him and loved him. And, and, and uh, I know that company is going to do right and take care of them the best they can. I mean, they're going to be okay because that company and Tony Khan and, and all, all of his friends and his peers, they're going to take care of those people. We know that. And um, it's just, it's just, it, it's, it, there's no other way. It's just it's horrible, you know? And, and, uh, but yeah, this, this set the standard and I haven't done, TV reviews in two weeks. First was Christmas, and then this—I don't know. I just didn't feel like doing it. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do a show where, you know, I can get back to 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 ripping on wrestling next week. I, I didn't feel like reviewing this. No, I, I, you can't review this show. You, you know, this is. It. I mean, I guess you can. You could, but, but I mean, what do you? I mean, you. We're, we're doing it right now, but right. I mean, I can't. I, I didn't. I didn't feel what. I didn't, you know, I sat down to do audio this week and, you know, I would have said a lot of things I'm saying now. And I, 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 I said, look, I'm not going to, I decided I'm not going to review the matches. It's pointless. I'm going to sit here and critique, uh, you know, uh, John Silver's arm drag. I, <laughs> I had a blown you know, spot not, in a match that's attributing me another dead friend. Like, yeah, it'd be ridiculous. The show is just great. And that's all there was to it. So I wasn't going to do the matches and I was just going to talk about, uh, you know, what we're talking about now. And then what am I supposed to do? Just transition into breaking down MLW Fusion, and I it just it was it would have been weird. And I understand other shows, uh, you know, just did their thing, and and, and you know that, that's fine. I'm not critiquing them, and you know, it, and if the, the the subscribers felt cheated this week, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll get right back to it this week. You know, this week Thursday TV reviews will be back. You know, I just I just didn't feel like doing it. And it wasn't because I was like depressed or, or or especially it was just because I felt like it would have been weird especially the kind of show that I do you know it's you know I, the 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 dynamite the week before I I had all of these like uh you know 
in my no, I'm looking at my notes from the dynamite the week before, and and because remember this news broke on the 26th, mm-hmm. which would have been that was the the because there was two straight weeks of of TV reviews. Um, is it two? It's two weeks that I didn't do. I think because I didn't do the week before either because the news of his death had broke, and I looked at my notes. And I was – I had all these like gimp jokes for Evil Uno that I had laid out. And I'm like, I can't do any of this material. Guy just died. you know. So that killed off that week. And then the, this week, I didn't want to do – so that's why there's been no Thursday TV reviews. A combination of the holidays and you know the tone was just off and I just – I'll be back next week. I'll give you all the takes you want for Kenny Omega and Phoenix. Okay? Be right there. But this week – I wanted to just pump the brakes on that. So I wanted to mention that quickly. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. uh, $1, $5, $10 tiers, by the way. Um, Rich, you're doing the Royal Rumble series, right? Uh, Yeah, we're going to dust that off a little bit. Uh, Finishing up the best of the Super Juniors, then go, yeah, do some some Rumbles. So, So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just just great. And because this tribute show, it just – you just felt the heart. That's mm-hmm. the word. I mean, my wife sat down and watched this. She knows nothing of wrestling, didn't know who this guy was from anyone. And – um. You know, even someone like that who, you know, just tears every every bumper when they did another person to come on, whether it was Eddie Kingston or Moxley or Darby Allen or, you know, whoever or, or Colt Cabana just trying to hold it together on his entrance, you know, and his ring, ring introduction and 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 Anna Jay trying to hold it together at the end of her match. And, you know, you know, my wife crying every 30 seconds and she doesn't even have any emotional connection at all to a single person on that screen doesn't know you know she'd struggle to identify hulk hogan if you think i'm joking i'm not i mean she knows nothing about wrestling um so you know and and, you know i was catching her up she's asking me a million questions as she's watching this show sat there glued to the tv for two hours you know Mm -hmm. it's just it was compelling and it just had so much heart and you know i lost it at several points uh I lost it when Colt Cabana got introduced and you could tell he was fighting it back. Completely lost it. I lost it when Kingston spoke. Um, a million different points. You know, it's just it was hard to watch, but great to watch. All the, at the same time. That was gonna be my, my the point that I love and the reason why I think this is the new standard for tribute shows and, and it's something that I always try to I try to do if I go to a funeral or I, I have a, a you know a friend or a family member that passes away or something like that is is a lot of people they just want to grieve and feel bad and feel terror and I get that I'm not telling you to not do that or whatever but I've always liked to kind of look at the plus side of hey look yes that person's gone yes that person's dead or whatever but man like we had this this memory and that memory and we did this and we did and I thought that this episode more than almost any other wrestling tribute shows. And obviously there's some really weird ones, the Benoit one, which I will never in a million years ever watch again, ever. I watch it in real time and I never want to go back and ever do that one again. But like you look at like the Owen Hart one or the Eddie Guerrero one that WWE did. And I'm not saying that those guys did it wrong. Like there's no wrong way to do a tribute show. It's, 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 you know, what you feel at the time. But one thing I loved about this tribute show is that instead of just being, just tugging at your heartstrings and pulling you down every single second and being sad and sad and sad. It was sad as hell. It was a very sad show. But then there was also really, really cool moments, really fun moments. MJF being able to play a heel and be pro wrestling, be a pro wrestling heel and get his comeuppance and have Brody Jr. hit him over the head with a kendo stick is so perfect because it's so pro wrestling. It's exactly what pro wrestling should be and needs to be. And it's 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 what pressing it's the art form of pressing that they can do that's so 
that really no other art form can do it as well as pro wrestling does. Where you can have somebody die. You can have a bad guy talk shit to the kid who, you know, whose father just died. And then that kid yeah. hit him over the fucking head with a kendo stick. And everybody go, yeah, fuck that guy. And it's awesome. Like, that is great. Like, nobody else can do that. You know what I mean? Nobody else can do that, but they can. Pro wrestling can do that, and they should do that. And it, it, I love that they did that, and I love that most people I, – I, I don't know. There was probably some corners of the internet that were upset and offended and all that sort of stuff. But I like that most people got it and said, oh, MJF's just being an asshole so that the kid can get a really cool moment where he's smiling and everyone's rooting for him and, and, and cheering him on so that he could beat up this guy. And it's like, that's pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, we always argue when people say, oh, that's offensive, or, oh, it's go away heat, or da 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 If the heel does something that's annoying or offensive or you hate him or whatever, good. Let's hit, let him get his fucking comeuppance, and that's pro wrestling. The <laughs> pro wrestling should be that way. And yeah, I love it, that it, they did that in this show. I love it. it. Yeah, there was, like, this balance. Like, it was this clearly... Uh, a tribute show but it never drifted completely out of canon you know the mjf stuff and then eddie kingston coming out and and uh and not his uh tribute video but when he came out for his match and said what he had to say about brody but then he pointed at the dark order guys or whoever he was wrestling and he was like but uh he worked it in i think he said something about now your leader's gone and i'm gonna kick all your asses right you know and it's like they, they they weaved it all and uh, Tony Khan, he just cracks me up because he's such a nerd in all the right ways when it comes to this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Because, and he thinks the way that we would think. He puts together this tremendous tribute show and um, with all of this heart and all of this emotion. But he can't quite pull himself away from working the cannon into the show. He can't, he can't help himself. you know. So he lets the kid book the main event trios team right with, uh, with Ten and Cody and Orange. But Tony still has to find a way to make that work in his promotions canon. And he does that. And he's tweeting out, you know, why, you know. What unsanctioned. For. Yeah, those for the record, these are unsanctioned matches. Well, yeah, the unsanctioned match. No, the unsanctioned thing's even funnier because it was, uh, uh, you know, Brody Jr. beating people up in the back and at the New Year's Eve party. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and people tweeting about how, you know, all the wrestlers were putting them over. But Tony had to get on Twitter and make sure to let people know those were unsanctioned matches <laughs> that Brody Lee Jr. was winning. And that's just – that's the quirkiness and the nerdiness. And, and again, I mean that as a compliment of Tony Khan. And and and, and it, it kind of gives you a glimpse into the thought – his thought process and the effort that he puts into everything with the company, even when it doesn't land. I mean th- this guy, there's like nothing that's flippant or throwaway in the way that he lays out his shows. And, um, you know, if you go back and read his tweets in the lead up to the tribute show, he, he was still trying to give purpose in, in, in canon to all of those matches. And I just I get a real kick out of that stuff. And the unsanctioned thing was just I fucking lost it when I read that tweet. Yeah, Brody Lee, uh, he, uh, put, he, he put away a lot of the top stars here in unsanctioned <laughs> matches at the New Year's party, you know, just to make sure. Um, and I think there's a little confusion. You know, they gave, uh, you know. Brody Jr. the TNT belt. They're not retiring the championship. They're just retiring the physical belt, and uh, that'll be Brody Lee Jr.'s forever. He's going to take that belt home. That's his. And um, you know, Dar- Darby's the champ. Yeah, Darby's the yeah, champ. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. know, they'll they'll give him a new physical title. So that was a great gesture. These were all great gestures. Um, yeah, just man, you can't. 
it's just this con- the conflict, the dichotomy of emotions. Like you don't want to ever have to watch something like no, this. No. But, but it was great. Yeah, I was smiling. I was smiling a lot more than I thought I would. Between being like you know choked up or like you know depressed. I was smiling, and that, and that, like, like I said, that is how I like to approach wakes and funerals and all that sort of stuff. And and not, again, I'm not telling other people that they shouldn't, but I always try to do that because I don't really want to go and sit there and 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 be sad for six hours. Like that, that doesn't really, you know, I don't really enjoy that very much. So I like to think, you know, and and and, and sometimes other people are that way too. It depends. Obviously, it depends how the person dies. You know, what you know, what the circumstances of their death or whatever. But you know, a lot of times my, you know, you know, I'm not saying my favorite funerals or you know the funerals I like to go to. I don't like to go to any of them, but I do enjoy the ones where people can kind of say ah yeah remember when blank did that and uh, yeah they always used to like th- those are the ones i like a little bit more other than just you know people sobbing the entire time and and you know that that always is, is kind of tough to handle yeah and, and it's uh it was an escape yeah particularly for that kid i mean look his father died just a couple days earlier and you know I, I and and he he was handling things so well and and uh but this is a giant party really for that kid, you know, and that's, and, and in addition to being something that was cathartic for fans and for the peers, but it was really a giant party. So that kid could escape for two hours. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I I went to, I remember me and my cousins went to Chuck E. Cheese when like our grandpa died. (laughs) Like this is that kid Daly's place was Chuck E. Cheese for that kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and he got a kendo stick. I got, you know, I got Papa shot and he got a fucking kendo stick. So it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the aftermath and now, you know, he's, you could, you could tell how all the wrestlers, you know, truly have a bond with him and, you know, and, and that kid's going to have a rough go. I mean, his father passed away, you know, and, and that that's going to be the best couple days of, of his life, oddly enough, you know, sparked by this awful, terrible tragedy that's going to lead to a lot of the worst days of his life. So, you know, at least he gets that, you know, with the, with that show built around him and 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 then the New Year's party and everything. And, and you know, these wrestlers I know are going to, you know, maintain contact with him. And and and, and it's uh, this really felt good, you know, for for the boy. And, you know, I'm watching that and it's impossible for me to not be watching this and just thinking about, you know, my own situation mm-hmm. and. It just made me sad. Like, what if something happened to me? And you know, and, and then these kids would be in that same position. And um, you know, and that's what Brittany was thinking about watching it. And she kept, you know, she kept expressing that. And you know, she's she's hearing all these tributes for this guy. And she turns to me and she's like, "That's what you are to these kids. I hope you know that." Right, right, how, right. How can that not break me up? Yeah, you know? and for sure. It's it's uh really puts everything in the perspective, you know, because you know I. I don't, you don't, you don't view your everyday life as, as you're doing anything special, right? But to some people, you, you know, you're just, your everyday existence is something special to them, you know? And, and, um, you know, so all of this then relates, I don't know, I, I, I didn't want to get into all, all that, but, um, but yeah, just, just a great show. And, um, one that I, I you know, we even sent a note to, to, to Tony Khan, like, that was incredible, and I hope you never have to do it again. I hope you never have to put something like that together ever again. But, and it's also something that is going to unify that locker room and that company too, because, um, you know, now they're going to see, oh, well, it isn't talk. I mean, this company does care. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and people outside the company, I think it would be impossible for them 
not to have that same viewpoint. All these WWE wrestlers that watch that and were tweeting about it, um, you know, and I don't want to make this WWE versus AEW. That's not the road I'm going down, but it's just they must be thinking, wow, I mean, this company really, man, they, they, they that was, it all felt so gentle. There wasn't a, a, a tinge of that that did not feel genuine. Right, right. I mean, you, you, you got to think, would, would the company that I'm at right now do that for me? And right. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can't whether answer that question. Yeah. Or whether, whether you're a wrestler or whether you sit in Rich's cubicle, it, you know, it, you have to wonder those things. And I thought that was just incredibly impressive. And, you know, a lot of it probably has, you know, has to do with who that man was, of course. Um, but it, it's, uh, man, that, that really feels like a unified uh, locker room and company that, that, that are all together. And, you know, and I feel like, you, you know, another thing, too, is, you know, in, 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 in my line of work, and I'm sure yours as well, it's like you want to hire good people because good people shoo away the bad people. Like, p- outsiders understand and can easily identify the culture of what you're doing in your company, and they will stay away. It's like the bad apples know they don't fit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why it's also important to surround yourself with good people and in business to hire good people. And I tell my managers this all the time. I'm like, you have to hire the best people possible, not just because, you know, it's good for business, but because good people attract good people and ward off bad people. You know, I tell them all the time, someone walks into your restaurant and they see a staff of good, well-trained people who are friendly and are just good. They recognize that. And if they're a bad person who know they're not going to fit that culture, they're not even going to ask you for an application. But other good people will because they're going to feel like they fit that culture. And the point I'm getting at here is, you know, in life, you surround yourself with good people. It's just going to draw more good people, you know, and this felt like to me a company full of good people who aren't going to tolerate any bullshit if a bad apple gets into their locker room and who aren't even going to allow bad people into their locker room. And if they do sneak in, they're not going to last. That's the vibe I got from this show and, um, and, and the people who put it together and the people who participated in and all of the, it's just, it felt like at least for now. And I know they're still in their honeymoon stage to some extent, because it's a relatively new company. This feels like a company full of, of, of good people. So uh, that was my other big takeaway. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on Brody or uh, uh, the tribute show? No, I mean, you have anything else to say? I mean, it's no, just, that's that was yeah. It was, it's it was... terrible and it's great and it's it was awesome and it sucks and it's mm-hmm. just all at the same time. I mean, and you know, one thing I guess I did want to bring this up. I mean, this guy wrestled for AEW for about seven months. That's all. Yeah. Never in front you know, of fans, never in front of fans. That's, that's the most never amazing in front of a thing full about packed it. House of fans. And he, we all know he missed that debut by a week in Rochester, which would have been huge to him, but he started at the end of March and his last match was that dog collar match, you know, and with, with Greg Valentine there. And in those seven months, you really think about this, you know, he had two of the most, memorable moments in the history of dynamite with the Cody squash and beatdown, Right. 
and then the uh, and then the dog collar match in October. He also headlined a pay per view and main evented and uh, challenged for the AEW World Title in that short amount of time. And the Dark Order gimmick, Rich, was dead in the water. It was go- it was this it, it uh, remember, remember this time last year, <laughs> what we were saying at the time. I mean, those careers of the people involved in it were going. No, they were headed towards either a repackaging. We said, or, we said, you just they take this week off. They were going to take the week off from from New Year's or the holidays or whatever, and come back and act like the Dark Order never existed ever again, and put those yeah. guys on ice for six months, and then bring them back with new gimmicks. It's what we literally said last year at this exact time, is which that, almost happened. Yeah, and it's like they introduced Brody Lee to the mix. And I remember, because it was one of our pandemic shows that we did on, like, a Tuesday afternoon, um, I remember us saying when, when Brody Lee debuted, oh, well, now this completely is, has turned us. And now we're going to give this a chance. And he's been really good in this role. And, you know, the 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 little, uh, you know, subtle jabs at, you know, the Mr. McMahon thing, and um, which they swear wasn't intended to be the case. But come on. We all know better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, him eating steak, telling people to not sneeze. He eats first. Mr. Brody Lee, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> so he not only came in and had the run. Throwing the papers, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he not only came in and had the run that he wanted to have um, in that short 10 months, TNT champion and the beatdown of Cody and headline in the being a pay-per-view headliner, which he was never going to get a chance to do in WWE. I mean, it's just crazy that everyone's going back to watch that Worlds Collide match against uh, Donovan Dijak or whatever his name was. You all know him. Donovan Dijak and how great that match was. And then you come to find out that that's the match that really soured Vince on him. And it's just like, how out of touch can you be? It's like, that was great. Yeah, everybody everybody has the exact opposite opinion of Vince on that match. Like, oh my God, that proves that he's a great wrestler that can wrestle with anybody and should be pushed to the moon. And Vince thought, ah, he stinks. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, that's it then. All right. Vince thought he'll never get on TV again and Donovan Jijak has to be under a mask as as fucking T-Bar now. Like, that was his thought coming out of that match. It's like, the guy's, but I don't want to make this about Vince McMahon and how lost and out of touch he is. But the guy finally gets a chance to have his run, and and he has this great run. But now, you know, all of these members of the Dark Order were given a second uh, chance. And now they all have a real shot at this thing. Whereas before, Gimmick was a disaster. It was just, it was literally going, quite literally going nowhere, and those careers were going nowhere. And who knows what would have happened with these. Where's John Silver right now if Brody Lee doesn't come into the company? You know, uh, for starters, where where any of the where where evil you know evil Uno and and Stu Grayson, two talented guys, who were just saddled with this awful gimmick, and it revitalized them. They don't have to be repackaged now. They 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 you know, he he totally saved this terrible, awful gimmick on top of everything else uh, that he did for himself. He totally saved that gimmick, and now. It's like, I don't know where you go. People were like, we don't know where you go from here with Dark Order. I think it's pretty simple. It's this band of misfits who were going nowhere. You weave the reality into the kayfabe. And the kayfabe very closely mirrored the reality anyway, right? They were always a band of goofs and a band of misfits. And, 
you know, the Beaver Boys were television jobbers. Colt Cabana was on the losing streak. Anna Jay was a rookie, and she had just lost to Abaddon. They were all misfits. Alan Angles and, 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 and Ten were dark jobbers. And the idea was Brody Lee was bringing them together and making them believe in themselves and making something out of them. And I think ultimately they would have ended up as baby faces anyway. I think this expedites it. Because now you weave that kayfabe into the reality. Oh yeah, because, they're, they're baby faces now, and I I I, I have yeah. all all the faith, and, and we'll see, we'll find out this week. But I have all the faith that AEW is smart enough to realize that they can't now come out this week and and Jr. can go, oh, these guys are weirdos. I hate these guys are weird. These guys suck. You know, like you're not going to do that. You know, like there's no way that was the culmination of of that Dark Order story arc and angle that ended last week. Those guys, the misfits, the the whoever's, the whatever, like they they were the stars of that night. They became yeah. the stars of the show, and they became the biggest stars in that entire company for that one night only. And that's not gonna they're not gonna be the biggest stars in the company forever, and 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 probably not even this week. But like you can't go back to them being, oh, these guys are weird. Like you know, these guys are you know, these what are these weirdos doing? Or oh, da, da. like they're, that's done. Like that that has to be done. It shifted. Yeah. Now yeah. they're like lovable underdogs. Exactly. Right. Right. And I. I, I I have faith that they'll do that, and we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely see, but I can't imagine that they go and just go right back to what they did three weeks ago. I, I, I just can't. It'd be harder with full crowds because no one would boo them. Right. You know, but now they're the lovable underdog misfits who, you know, and, and that's, I think, ultimately what would have happened anyway, you know. And that was kind of the direction that the kayfabe was going anyway. It was like Brody Lee was the only one who was – successful in the and he was teaching them how yeah. to be a success and breaking them and just you know no i will show you the way that was the and now you know you can shift it to that and weave reality with with kayfabe and that always makes for the best pro wrestling anyway and um you know in in both kayfabe and in reality he saved a lot of those careers he did and um and i think that's and he'll always be a gigantic part and hey you know, and a lot of people may have missed this or may not even know, but he's—you know—Brody Lee is loosely connected with this website and this podcast network because when Chris Harrington, who who is, you know, I think most people understand by now, very tight with Brody Lee in real life, and was for many years, and came up in the wrestling business with Brody Lee. Chris Harrington was in the wrestling. Do people even know that, Rich? That Chris Harrington was involved in pro wrestling. And he was, in he front was of training the to be a wrestler, which is, is yes. <laughs> no, no, no offense to, you know, one Chris Harrington, but uh, yeah, I would have, I don't think, I mean, I would have taken his money, but I think I would have been honest with him and said, Chris. Like, hey, Chris, pump the brakes here, buddy. Like, like, have you considered spreadsheets? Have you considered being a manager? Like, <laughs> he, he was a manager, you know, and he did, you know, he did do things on the indie scene in the early days with Brody Lee and, and, and how and where that's connected to us is, you know, Chris was doing the Indeed Wrestling Weekly podcast, which ironically was never weekly, but he was doing the Indeed yeah, Wrestling like bi-monthly, <laughs> if right. that. You know, okay. so he's doing the Indeed Wrestling Weekly podcast, which would eventually become <laughs> the Wrestle the WrestleNomics podcast and end up under this podcast network umbrella. But his sometimes co-host on Indeed Wrestling Weekly was uh, was Brody Lee. Under the alias, because he has already he had already made a name in indie wrestling by then, of TC Watts. TC Watts was Brody Lee, mm-hmm. and he was the part-time co-host of Indeed Wrestling Weekly, which then morphed into WrestleNomics, which then brought on Brandon Thurston Howard, who also knew Brody Lee personally and wrestled Brody Lee, and their matches on YouTube. 
uh, uh, Brandon Thurston versus uh, versus Brody Lee uh, from a, one of those uh, upstate pro, pro, New York promotions. And so, um, and and Brandon, you know, gave very heartfelt thoughts on the last WrestleNomics with his uh, interactions and and you know he told the story of how you know Brody Lee was just home, not doing nothing, you know, as usual with WWE, and he just called him up one day and said, "I want to come down to the school and uh, and do a session." Didn't charge anybody money. Didn't want anything out of it, other than to come down to the school and work with uh, with Brandon's kids and trainees. You know, and he he talked about that on in the opening uh, segment of WrestleNomics and and uh, and gave some anecdotes about the match he had with him and and um, so there's a lot of connections to uh, you know this website and people that we know personally. I, I don't know Brody Lee. Rich, I don't think ever met no, him either. No, never, never met him, yeah. But, but, you know, we know people who were close to him and were tight with him. So that hits a little different, too, because you feel so bad for your friends and um, who, who were so close to him and everything. And, 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 and Mookie is just, you know, knocked it out of the park on Twitter, putting up pictures and, and posting memories and things like that, too. But, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's Brody Lee's loose connection, uh, at least with this site, even though – uh, I doubt he's even was even aware of our. Well, maybe he was aware of our. He could have listened for all. Who knows? Know. I mean, yeah, who he, knows, man? As tight as he was with Mookie, and and I, I wouldn't doubt it at all because you know Brody Lee was, you know, a wrestling nerd as well, like the rest of us. I mean, the guy yeah, those old the old TC so. Watt stuff. I know he did some. I I remember the blog posts as well. Like he would he would you know yeah. just be a wrestling reviewer and he'd be like reviewing you know episodes of impact and stuff as tc watts and like you know later yeah. in life I, I was like ah fuck that was him i had no idea because it's just like you read it and you don't think this is you know pro wrestler you know chikara pro wrestler upstart you know indie wrestler you know brody lee or johnny you it's just wrestling reviewer tc watts or whatever but yeah no he was a total geek about wrestling so hey breaking down wrestling with mookie on a podcast, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, that, that was, uh, anyway, his loose connection to us, but, um, we got a lot, we got to get to the Wrestle Kingdom. Do you want to talk about, um, Danny Hodge briefly? Yeah, I, I don't have, that- I, I don't have a ton. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about Danny Hodge. He passed away a few weeks ago, December 24th, officially, uh, when he passed away. But I mean, obviously, most of his wrestling career predates us and, and our watching of wrestling by many, many years. And uh, I can't say honestly that I've gone back and watched a ton of old Danny Hodge matches or, or even know where to even begin to watch old, you know, Danny Hodge matches or where to even begin. But uh, a, a famous character, a famous name, I mean, in pro wrestling, no doubt uh, influential to a lot of people. And, and, and there was a lot of really uh, cool sort of tributes and support about him uh, as well. But uh, yeah, the, the thing I probably know most about, uh, Danny Hodge is crushing apples with his hand is, is, is pretty much one hand, by the way, not both hands. One hand uh, is about the all I really remember from Danny Hodge, unfortunately. You mean you weren't at all those matches in Oklahoma in the 1960s? <laughs> I believe it or not. Yeah. NWA junior heavyweight title. <laughs> right. No, I wasn't watching Leroy McGurk and, and, and Danny Hodge, you know, at the stockyards or whatever. So. Well, you know, the crushing of the apple, you know, great Ocon has started doing that. Yes. Yeah, I saw and, and he's doing that on Twitter and a lot of people were very confused and, you know, that that's Danny Hodge. I mean, I'm I'm almost positive he got that from Danny Hodge. Oh, for sure. That the, the, his famous thing is crushing the apple with two hands. I think his. Wait, did yeah, he, I think he cr- said he had an extra tendon. He had an extra set of tendons in his hand. That's why they were so strong. So was that ever verified medically? 
No, I don't. Th- I don't think that is verified medically. I think he it's just like is a strong X-Men. man. No, he's just a very strong man. I think is, is... yeah, he's like some X Men shit. You know, he's got the extra tendons in his body for the additional strength. Or it's like you'd always every, in every neighborhood you had the kid who claimed he was double jointed. Did you ever yes. kid who claimed? Oh yeah, he was of course. Oh yeah, and he would always you know pull his wrist back all the way and shit. Yeah, yeah. Was... I'm double jointed. It's like no, you're just flexible. You're not double. There's no such thing as double jointed. I'm sure we're going to have some wise guys who explore. Well, actually, no. There was always a kid in the neighborhood, you know, who claimed he was a superhero because he was double jointed because he could, uh, you know, put his hand, his leg behind his head or something. But uh, or yeah, it was always the. You're right. The wrist. The wrist. Thing. The wrist thing the was wrist always what I remember. Yeah, people pulling the wrist all the way yeah. back. So. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, legendary tough guy, like a legitimate tough guy, not really just the, the stuff of uh, of myth and legend, but anybody who tried Danny Hodge. I love in the old days, that was the terminology. Yeah, you're going to try <clears throat> Anyone who tried Danny Hodge uh, learned the hard way that he was you know, legitimately one of the toughest men to ever live. Um, tremendous boxer in addition to one of being the greatest amateur wrestlers of all time. He's got the, uh, you know, the Danny Hodge trophy, which goes to the top collegiate wrestler every year. Um, Olympic competitor, never won the Olympic gold medal. Um, you know, was an Olympic level wrestler and boxer. Boxer. Which is yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. Stupid, insane. I mean, that's just crazy. That's just how, I mean, how, I mean the, the, the dedication and the training that needs to go into both of those things, especially wrestling alone and to be of Olympic caliber, in those both of those sports is just it's just dumb. It shouldn't be. It can't be. It shouldn't happen. Um, and NWA predominantly known for the NWA uh, World's Junior Title when it meant something, you know, when it meant something at the time, as opposed to uh, you know in the aftermath when that title would. Um, uh, who were some of those guys in the seventies and eighties? Your Denny Browns. And yeah, Les- yeah, Les Thorntons and those type of guys. Where no offense to them, but those were preliminary fucking wrestlers, as Jim Cornette would put Nelson it. Royals, and, and yeah, <laughs> Nelson, yeah, yeah, yes, that whole crew. That would open up, you know, every you know Crockett show in '86 with a junior title match with those guys who were nice little workers, but um, the title had just lost any sort of relevance that it had because Danny Hodge was the real deal in an era where promoters wanted to push guys who were the real deal. So. Um, that was important. And to have a guy like that in your locker room as the policeman, another old term, uh, could never hurt either. A guy gets out of line. You just – you have you know, Danny Hodge crack his knuckles in his direction and you're not going to have problems with that guy anymore. So just a tough motherfucker and um, lived a long, good life. And uh, there is footage out there if people are interested. I perused a little on YouTube. So um, look, he's not going to knock your socks off. Again, you have to understand the context of the era. And the style of wrestler that he was um, when you watch some of his stuff and there's a lot of clips and even some full matches floating around um, a lot of it towards the back end of the career. But, um, you know, and there's been a lot of good audio out there. I know Jim Ross went on with uh, with Meltzer. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. I have that. I haven't saved. I haven't I haven't listened to it yet, but I haven't saved it to, to try to listen to sometime in the next few days. Yeah. And um, I think that was with Garrett Gonzalez, not. Alvarez, but I can't call. Um, so again, there's a lot of tributes to him out there for, for people who knew him. And, uh, you know, so Danny Hodge too, and that kind of got obscured when, uh, when the younger person dies, that kind of takes up people's attention. You know, it's no disrespect to the older guy, but you know, he, he was 88 years old and lived a full life and 
um, it was his time, you know, and you have someone die untimely, it kind of gets buried in the headlines. Um, you know, but that's, uh, that's how it goes. You can't pick your spot. You know, it just, uh, just happens when it happens. But Danny Hodge, 88, uh, absolute legend. All right, let's get to it. You want to get to our, our big, we have now another two hours to cover Russell Kingdom night and one. I don't know if we'll use all of those two hours like we have uh, in the past, but we'll see what happens. We used to, we used to, I mean, we used to literally on these, on these previous shows hit record and every second of those three hours was Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if we're going to do that uh, this time, but we'll see uh, what ends up happening. Again, no ad this week, ad-free uh, show, so definitely want to go uh, to patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling and subscribe. Uh, Thursday TV reviews, upcoming Royal Rumble, uh, VOW Retro Rumble Rewinds uh, as well coming up. Another, uh, Some other great stuff, maybe some surprises uh, this month as well. Good time to subscribe as well. $1, $5, and $10 tiers. And of course, voiceofwrestling.com slash books. Download our New Japan ebook for free or the suggested retail price of $500 is, uh, um, is good. Or you can just buy it on Amazon for $5.99 as well. So whichever you want to do. Anyway, I mean, all right. I'm sure we would have done the three hours. I mean, you can't can't ignore something like Brody Lee, though. No, gotta, no, absolutely not. Had to uh, give that the time. So let's uh, let's dig into these two shows. So some people may have seen, uh, uh, and, and I, I do want to make this known before we kind of get going here. Uh, people have seen that there were some tweets out there about stuff going on in Japan, a potential state of emergency in Tokyo and all that sort of stuff. As far as we know and as far as what we've been told that and, and the quotes out there and the reporting and stuff is that they might do a state of emergency, but there's no way that they will immediately cancel everything. Like, you know, I, I Russell Kingdom is safe, I think is, is the easiest way to say it. Uh, New Year Dash, I think safe. Everything else in January, I have no idea. Everything else in February, who the hell knows? But it seems pretty improbable because there is there is a little bit of nervousness. Is oh shit, is Wrestle Kingdom even going to happen? I think that they wouldn't do it immediately and say okay, you can't run anything this week or whatever. I mean, this, we're talking two days now in, until both these shows, so I think that these shows are going to go on as, as as normal. But definitely, I wouldn't exp- I, I would I would definitely be cautious about the rest of January and, and February and, and 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 whatever happens moving forward. But it looks like Wrestle Kingdom will happen no matter what because it's going to take a few days for them to kind of convene and decide. Or hey, we're going to declare an official state of emergency in Tokyo or whatever. So uh, that's what's going on. But I think we're pretty safe that Wrestle Kingdom is is going to happen one way or another. Yeah, it looks like it'll happen. Um, I had concerns even before this, just with the limited crowd in that giant building. I mean. Very concerning to me in terms of atmosphere. I'm I'm very concerned with how these shows are going to come across. Um, That's a big building, and when it's, it's quiet in that building, building, it is deathly quiet in that building. It is. I mean, there there's been a few Tokyo Dome shows that you go back and watch, and you know, obviously did a bunch of them for uh, for for Patreon as well, Kings of the, of the Tokyo Dome, and, and there were some that like, yeah, there's like nobody in that building, and it it is it's a weird, weird, weird atmosphere, and that's when they could make noise. And when they try to sell as many tickets as possible, this is a time when they can't sell tickets and people can't make noise. So I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's definitely going to be weird. And I think we all have to kind of be ready for that for sure. It's hard because there's a couple really very important matches for pe- for some people's careers on this sh- on these shows, and their matches may come across as uh, not over or lifeless through no fault of their own. I mean, there's been matches in the Tokyo Dome that fans did respond well to, but it just didn't come across because the building eats the noise. This is something we've talked about for years. It's a point Dave Meltzer always makes when people say the old five stars in the Tokyo Dome meme. 
and he correctly points out it's harder to have a great match in the Tokyo Dome because uh, the crowd atmosphere is tricky. Um, even when fans are into things here, the fans are restricted to clapping and we know how that has wreaked havoc on all of new Japan shows this year and ruined the atmosphere of a lot of matches. And man, I just feel bad for people like the great Okan who is in this big spot against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And if he wrestles to silence, even if he has a good match, it might come across like it didn't get over and it'll be, um, no fault of his. Will Ospreay has the biggest match of his life against Okada. And Okada keeps saying in all the press that they're going to go out there and have this great match and blow everybody away. And I don't know if that's a setup for a for a bullshit heel finish, or I don't know if that's Okada because um, we know he's tight with Will Ospreay, just wanting to go out there and crush it with this guy and make sure that he does his part in helping to get Will Ospreay over as the next great star in New Japan. But either way, this is a huge match for Will Ospreay. And again, very much handicapped. And um, you know, I don't really worry about the main event. I don't worry about the the, the title matches and things like that. You're not going to hurt Tetsuya Naito or Kota Ibushi or, or Jay White at this point. It doesn't matter. They're, they're going to be fine right? regardless. But it's just some of these guys lower on the card. I mean, we all saw how people reacted to El Phantasmo doing his cheap heel heat in front of no fans in the super J cup and how it just doesn't work with no fans. Now he's going to be doing his cheap heel heat. The people who can't respond to him in a gigantic building that maybe has 10,000, 15,000 people in it, you know? Uh, Cause from what I understand, they're not restricted to the 5,000 cause they had already sold so many tickets before that decree came down. So they're allowed, those people can come. But they had to stop selling tickets. So I don't know how many people are going to be at these things. 10,000, 12,000, maybe 15,000. None of them can cheer. It's going to be a tricky spot. Well, you also have to factor in, too, that, you know, the the growing number of cases. There might be people that have tickets and say, fuck that. I'm not going to the Tokyo. (laughs) Fuck that noise. I'm staying home. You know, it. it, they they sold X amount of tickets. That doesn't mean X amount of people are going to show up in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that's that's just the, 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 you know, especially in a in a country like Japan. I mean, in America, I feel a little bit more confidence that if people, you know, bought those tickets, they'd probably go. But, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, people, they're, they're on the verge of a state of emergency. How many of those people are going to say, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to the Tokyo Dome. I got to watch that show. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I have massive concerns about atmosphere. I do. Um, we'll see. You know, it's 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 unknown. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to be a disaster. Maybe it'll come off well somehow. I I I don't know, but it's definitely um, a concern for sure. I like that they've limited it to six matches on each night. I think it's a lot to ask to do nine, ten, eleven cards. Yeah, that I'm so glad. Cards. I'm so glad. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were doing our like a little bit preview of 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 Wrestle Kingdom. Is like looking at the show. It was like I don't see a whole lot more matches here. I mean, I guess they can fill the undercard with a bunch of multi mans, and I'm so glad they didn't because that would just be torturous. Two hours of meaningless multi man matches, and then an intermission, and you're like, oh my god, let's go! <laughs> like this is you know, it's it's pretty much all business on both nights from from the opening bell on, which is 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 really cool. Yeah, last year we talked about it. There was a lot of shit that didn't need to happen on those cards. We didn't need those eight-man tags on night one um, that were just no different than eight-man tags that you'd have out in Bipu for, you know, destruction in Bipu or something. You didn't need it. Um, So this kind of forced their hand and um, made it easier for them to cut that stuff. And I know a lot of guys don't get on the show. I mean, they are having that rumble 
the Rambo match on night one and the last four people left in that will get on night two. And I suspect that's where you'll find your Hiroki Gotos and Toru Yanos. They are going to be among the last four in that match. Uh, maybe a bad look folly, people like that. I guess let's start there since that's night. Well, that's night two. No, that's night one. Well, so night one is the Rambo. The night one's the Rambo. Yeah. So yeah, whoever's it's the Rambo. Yeah. yeah. So twenty-two men, uh, New Japan Rambo. So that'll be everybody that's not on the main card will be there. Uh, that is the quote-unquote dark match, but obviously it'll it'll air uh, on New Japan World. And yeah, the final four uh, of that match will then move on to challenge for the KOPW twenty twenty one. I was really, really hoping that that look folly would win that fucking thing, toss it in the crowd, and we would never ever hear about the trophy ever again. But uh it's back. KOPW twenty twenty one. Uh and then that will go on to night two then. Yeah, the final four will have a four way match for uh the KOPW twenty twenty one trophy. So So Yano is stripped now. He is done, yes. Yano, that he is the official final provisional KOPW twenty twenty trophy winner. He is now done. Now a new trophy and a new title begins in 2021 all right so i think i nailed three of them i think you'll see goto yano fale am i missing anybody trying to think of guys that are important yeah this is i mean i guess the one spot and and that's where i think it's a little open is the one spot might go to i mean this is a good opportunity to give a spot to some you know if you want to give a gold Y, you know, Hanma or something, if you want to give him some sort of spot like that, yeah. or, you know, like I, I think, no, I think there's no doubt. Like you said, go to, I think is one that you absolutely, you know, need to get him in a big match. I don't think, I mean, Tomohiro Ishii is not really doing much, anything on this wrestling, you know, which is just criminal. Uh, but I don't think I want oh, him anywhere near the KLPW. Suzuki too. Yeah. Fuck. But do you so want Suzuki. those guys fucking around with this thing? Well, I mean, I want him on the show. Want, I want him on the show some way, but yeah, I don't know. I don't want this thing, period. But if you're talking about contenders of who's going to get on the show, I mean, so it's, that's more than four, though. So you've got Suzuki, Ishii, Goto, Yano, Fale. That's five guys right there. And I'm sure we're forgetting some others. I'm just trying to look at the units and work it out from that perspective. Um, the whole empire is on the show. Suzuki is the big guy from Suzuki gun, not on the show. We got the chaos guys, Goto, Yano, Yoshihashi, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, he had a good year by his standards. The LIJ guys are all on the show. Shingo, Sonata, well, Bushi, but he won't, he doesn't matter. Um, that sounded mean. He doesn't matter in this context. It, well, I mean, Bushi, not, I'm sure, is a you're not entirely guy. wrong to be honest. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, even there's going to be a couple of relatively big names who get completely snubbed, but that's the case every year. I mean, we're pe- Tomohiro Ishii. You know, basically every year either gets a shitty fucking never gauntlet spot or is off the show completely or whatever. Um, let's pull up Ishii's Wrestle Kingdom history and walk through that because I think that's good to demonstrate to people. It's like he's in a certain spot and he can come up and rise from it once or twice a year like he did this year. Um, every now and then they'll put him in a big main event. But, you know, it's never going to happen for that guy. I mean, he you could just – you look at people's Wrestle Kingdom bookings – 
And we did that for Tanahashi last week. And it really tells you their career arc and, and, and what the company sees in them in terms of their star power. Sorry, I'm back now. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know you were gone. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. Well, what I was doing was pulling up Tomohiro Ishii's Wrestle Kingdom history to kind of demonstrate. Well, I'm not going to repeat myself for you. Okay, <laughs> please do not. Please do not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do that and take a look. See, I thought you were there, and while I was on my little – I was giving you time <laughs> to pull it up. So that's so you can see what got what screwed up there. All right, I got it. Okay, so, I was gonna say I could do it if you need, but sorry. So, uh, <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 2007, he was in a six man tag with with his great bash heel compadres Makabe and Yano against Buchanan, D'Lo Brown, and Travis oh, Tom. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wrestle Kingdom three, he was in a. Uh, was that an eight man tag yet? Chono, Choshu, Kevin Nash, and Kurt Angle <laughs> against Giant Bernard, Carl Anderson, Takashi Azuka, and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 4, much of the same undercard tag with a bunch of legends in the mix Nakanishi, Chono, Choshu, and Terry Funk against Abdul the Butcher and uh, that Chaos Trio mentioned earlier. So. As you can see, nothing significant yet. Wrestle Kingdom 5, this is, we're up to 2011, so we're now getting close to the current uh, or uh, era here. Tama Tonga, Tiger Mask, Tomaaki Hanma, and Wataro Inoue uh, versus Chaos, Gato Jado Ishii, Oof. and Yujiro Takahashi. So again, just an opener, a prelim tag. This was pre-push Tamatanga, and you can see the names there. This is Wataro Inoue, I believe, working his final Tokyo Dome, being cycled down. No, not true. You're gonna you're about to mention him two two more Tokyo Domes from now. Oh, you're right. Uh, he he did work a couple more, um, but you could see again just another prelim tag, uh, dark match for Wrestle Kingdom Seven in 2013. Ishii wasn't even at Wrestle Kingdom Six; it's just not booked on the card. This is what I'm talking about. Sometimes he doesn't even get booked on the card. Okay. Wrestle Kingdom 7, he's in a dark match. Okay. Again, Chaos, Jado, Ishii, and Yoshihashi against Captain New this Japan. This is so terrible. <laughs> Good God. Tama Tonga and Wataro Inoue. So, I mean, again, this is a dark match prelim guy to this point. Doesn't even get booked in 14. So, a second one he's not. And now we're firmly in the Bushi Road era. And then uh, 15 and 16. He was involved in never matches, so firmly in the mid-card, moving up. He wrestled Togi Makabe on Wrestle Kingdom 9 and Shibata at Wrestle Kingdom 10. Lost both of those and, matches, by the way, too. Lost the title on both yeah. of those matches as well. Yeah, but that's like peak never title Ishii those years. And then we're right back to the prelims, Wrestle Kingdom 11. You know, the IWGP tag team is a three-way match. I guess that's not a prelim match, but firmly a mid-card match. He teamed with Yano, and also Grills of Destiny and Great Bash Heel were in that bout. Uh, 18, the Never Gauntlet. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13 in 2019, he was in the Rev Pro match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro title. That's when Rev Pro was pushing Ishii uh, pretty hard. He had that great match in uh, at WrestleMania weekend that year. 
on the Ref Pro show, so he got a mid-card spot there, at least in a title match. And last year, Wrestle Kingdom 14, right back to a prelim tag, an eight-man tag, one of the ones we referenced earlier with Chaos versus Bullet Club, which was one of the curtain jerker matches. And then uh, the next night was in the gauntlet. So he wrestled both nights, but in prelim matches on both nights. So as I was saying, you look at people's Wrestle Kingdom histories, it really gives you a clear picture of their trajectory, their push, what the company thinks of them. And outside of a couple never matches and the bout against Zack Sabre Jr., the guy's a curtain jerker at Wrestle Kingdom. It's prelim city. It's what he is. So I'm not surprised at all. It's, it's, it's kind of that deal where, look, I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. And it's the same feeling we have every year with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's, it's who he is and what he is. And you, as you know, the older you get in this company, the less likely it is to ever happen because they, they really do believe in constantly pulling from the bench and pushing the next generation. And that's not Ishii. So if you're an Ishii fan, look, he's always going to be have his moments in the G1s and he's, you know, he may not win a ton of matches, but he's always going to get his moments like this year upsetting Jay White and they they know that's how they use him. They don't see him as completely valueless like they do a Hanma now post neck injury Hanma who they just see no value in. Tenzan with the freakishly deformed ankle, they see no value in him anymore. Kojima, even though he wins most of his matches, you can read about that in the book. They're they're all openers and prelim matches. They see no value in Kojima anymore. And we'll get to him in a minute. Ishii, they still see some value in, but it is clearly limited. And that is not a pretty Wrestle Kingdom resume. No, yeah, he, he's entering into like what Yuji Nagata was four or five years ago, where occasionally he'll have a, a moment or a match or, you know, still they, they kind of from time to time will do that with Yuji Nagata as well. They'll, they'll from yeah. time to time give him a big moment. He'll get a big match. He'll upset somebody in the opening or the Wrestle Kingdom. He'll win the Never Open Way title, stuff like he's He's firmly in that level. The problem is he never had the Yuji Nagata main event run. So I, he, he does feel kind of empty. And, and, and I do understand why people think that. And you could honestly go Hiroki Goto, too. I mean, we, we say it all all the time to people it's like that's over it's like don't people are always say oh well, when do you think Roki Goto it's like no I don't <laughs> like there's 10 more guys that have come up there's Jay White there's Ocon there's Osprey there's you know he's he's firmly passed up guys like you got to let that go he's nowhere he's near 40. he's over 40 now. right right and- Ishii's the same way they're never ever ever gonna give Ishii uh that and, and and I'm not disagreeing with that I'm not saying that they should but like that's over. That ship is sailed. There's no point in even wasting your brain power about it because the next wave of guys are already here, and he's already two waves behind at this point. Oh yeah, he's already oh, he's, he's yeah. behind the Okada wave for God's sakes, and now he's he's behind the Okan and the Osprey and the and the, and the Jay White and the you know the the uh, maybe even the Naito you know the Naito wave. He's two waves behind the Naito wave. It's like no, he's he's long gone, man. Get out of it. It's over. He's behind. <laughs> he's behind some waves that are already crashing. Right. Like he's <laughs> like he's behind waves that are already entering new phases of their career. And Goto too. I, I wouldn't. He's. I'd be shocked if he ever got another title shot, IWGP title. He's never getting another no, IWGP no, title never. shot. And he had a sneaky good year in the ring, but all mid card stuff, all firmly in the mid card. You know, very good. Never six man matches. That team has revitalized that that title. Um, they didn't even put that title on either one of these shows. They went with the King of Pro Wrestling instead. Okay, so um, you know, Goto's another one. He's over forty. He can still go. He still had. A really sneaky good year. He had those great matches early in the year with Shingo, and and then he had the um, the six man stuff that was uh, that was pretty. He had the great match with uh, Kenta at Wrestle Kingdom, and then the great match with Shingo the next month for the Never Title. But that's it for him. 
And that, you know, this is what Ishii is. So, um, you know, we'll see who gets left out of making it to the main card on the next night. That'll be interesting. Um, plus, this match is going to be gimmicked up, the four-way match. You're right, right. And maybe there'll be a big surprise from the outside that we're not even thinking about. And there's so much to consider. But for guys like Goto and Ishii, nothing would shock me. They could either win this entire thing and, and win the Dopey Trophy or be the third guy out of the Battle Royal. Right? I mean, that could happen. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Goto could be the third guy in and then get rolled up by Chase Owens. And I wouldn't – well, maybe not by Chase Owens. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know about that. <laughs> that might be a bridge But he far, could be like yeah. the third guy out like and get pinned by – you know, he can get – you know, he can catch a gotch pile driver eight minutes into the match. Would you be stunned at no, all? I mean, God, no. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it depends on what this trophy is going to be in, in, in 2021. And I think we're – you know, we're coming at the standpoint of, oh, well, these guys are not on the card and they need a big spot. But if the thing's just a big old haha joke thing again, then, yeah, do you really want Goto and Ishii messing around with this thing? Or you just want it to be Yano Fale, uh, fucking whoever, you know, insert – random you know guys and, and it just could go right back. i don't know i we don't know and this that's at least got me a little interested in seeing you know hey are they actually going to try to make this thing a thing this year or are they going to you know just continue what they did in 2020 where that's like you know or, or i guess what they pivoted to because it's clear and, and i did it when i was you know writing the okada profile in the book it's clear that they wanted this thing to be good and okada wanted this thing to be good and very quickly he realized it wasn't good and it sucked and they immediately pivoted to oh yeah yano just fucks around with the <laughs> just the yano comedy title yay like it, it's pretty clear that, that happened pretty uh pretty shortly after uh, they announced this thing because I really truly believe that they didn't have you know Sugabayashi and Okada go do a press conference about this title if they thought it'd be Toru Yano taking turnbuckle pads off and rolling people up. You know I don't don't think that was the intention, but we'll see what we'll see what 2021 brings for this godforsaken trophy. But uh, all right, the let's... Rambo the Rambo is always a lot of fun. At oh, I love the Rambos. It, I love the Rambos. It, yeah, it always sucks really bad, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Scott like, Norton. I, I don't know. I don't know how many fun people we're getting, but uh, maybe you get a Shiro Koshinaka again, or you know those types of guys or whatnot. Some some. With Halloween away, maybe you can bring him back. <laughs> Come on, man. Then I got to put them in the book next year. It's like, <laughs> right. I, I got fi- to think of a sentence to write for, you know, uh, the, the, these jerks. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'd rather El not. Samurai. Let's get some El Samurai in there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who the hell I hope it's just 22 roster members. Just, you know, get fucking Bushi in there and 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 let's call it a day. I, you know, I, just for the sake of, uh, of book deadlines. But, um. We talked a lot about Yeah, we really did. Jesus, I didn't Kingdom think we were going to spend all the two hours talking about Wrestle Kingdom, but we spent 35 minutes talking about the Rambo, the dark match on night one. Uh, then maybe, yeah, maybe we will. But let's let's move on here. Uh, this is for uh, a rights to challenge for the junior heavyweight title on night one. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus the Super J Cup winner, El Fantasmo. Any, any, I think the favorite obviously would be Hiromu Takahashi. What percent chance do you give Fantasmo to move on and go to that night two? I mean zero. Okay. I think that I would hope so. <laughs> Taka, I think Takahashi has to win both nights. Um, but the thing about Phantasmo is, he's if if the year is anything close to normal, which is, isn't shaping up that no, way. No, it's a on, bad start. Bad start for that for sure. He's look. He's going to get pushed big at some point. He was going to get pushed big this past year, but you know, what's what's the meme? Gestures at the world yeah, got right, in the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think they kind of repeated that. He won the 2019 Super J Cup, and that was to set him up for a mega push in 2020 where he would have been the junior champ for the most of the year. And this would have been your Wrestle Kingdom match for the title, I think, with Hiromu winning the um, 
best of Super Junior and being Phantasmo's challenger after chasing him all year. They didn't have Phantasmo available, so they used his tag team partner as the surrogate. And they put Taiji Ishimori in that spot instead, which was fine and worked out fine. Um, so I think they the plan was to kind of repeat Phantasmo's big push this year. He wins the Super J Cup again. And he wins it in the same way by dick punching people and cheating his way all the way through like he did the year before. And I think the idea was to just reset and do it over again this year. So if the year is anywhere close to normal at any point, expect this guy to get pushed and pushed hard. I guess I shouldn't say 0%. I guess it wouldn't stun me if he won this, but I can't. Then he's against his own tag team partner yeah, the next night. It's, it's psychology clunky. is weird. Yeah, and Wrestle Kingdoms are usually not this way. Like, Wrestle Kingdoms are usually happy stories, finalities, that sort of stuff. And I think the story of the year and the story of the year for the juniors should be that Hiromu, you know, beats Taiji Shimori, wins the title again at Wrestle Kingdom, makes all the sense in the world that the LIJ guy would beat Suzuki, uh, the, the, the Bullet Club guy. So I'm with you. It, 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 it's definitely clunky. But like you're saying, it's not like, you know, Phantasmo's going to get pinned and then roll out of the ring and we're not going to see him the rest of the year. Like, he, he's he's coming. Like, he's going to be a – I mean, there's a good chance he wins that title in, you know, March or April or what. You know, like, he's not, not going to be done in this mix. But for this purposes, yeah, I, I think it's Hiromu wins this match and then goes on the next night and beats Vichy Shimori. I think they want to repeat the same idea they had, and I yeah. think they want to have Hiromu chase Phantasmo this year. I mean, if, and if this year is another disaster, I don't know if they'll stretch it out another year, but they believe in Phantasmo. I mean, this is a pushed commodity. Oh, they love it. Yeah, they love it. You know, and he was pushed hard in 19, the junior tag team titles and the Super J Cup and all of that. He's going to get pushed hard again, and I think um, – look, I don't love his style of match, but I think he is an excellent – excellent pro wrestler and performer and i think that he gets um all the right kind of heat he's he's very comparable to mjf to me in that people don't realize that they're reacting exactly how he wants you to react and there aren't a lot of heels in wrestling who can do that in this day and age he he doesn't even try to be cool he puts no effort into being a cool heel he doesn't want you to like him ironically or in any way whatsoever he wants to be a shitbag and he wants you to hate his guts. And he's so good at it. And I think my advice to fans is instead of just complaining on Twitter about how much you hate this guy, lean into it. It's pro wrestling. Enjoy that aspect of what he is. And I wrote extensively about this in the book in his profile to plug the book again about how, you know, think about it. It's like decades ago or, you know, uh, you know, not that long ago even in some cases – it's like fans would stab wrestlers coming to the ring because they hated them so much. Ric Flair would have to escape arenas in the trunks of cars because fans hated them so much. And it's like, it's okay to hate that. They want you to hate. This guy wants you. Those feelings for all of you out there going, I hate this fucking guy. He, that's lean into that. He wants you to feel that way. Okay. We're also protective of being worked. I'm too smart to be worked. I just don't like him. It's not his character I hate. I hate him. No, you just don't want to be worked because we all want to think we're too smart for that and we all read newsletters and we listen to Joe and Rich and we're too smart to be worked and and it's go away. It's not. It's heat. You don't like the character. This guy was a beloved baby face for children in RevPro. Okay? Beloved. 
And now he's doing it. He's a pro wrestler and he's great at what he does. He was, he's able, he was able to successfully do that. It got him a job. And now he's able to successfully be one of the biggest dick bag, dick bag heels in all of pro wrestling who gets genuine, real heat. So just enjoy it when he beats Hiromu for the title and cheats his way to it. Okay. And then when Hiromu finally vanquishes him, pop through the roof like a fan and enjoy it that this guy got his. Because at the end of the day, gimmicks and characters like this, they get theirs. That's the heat. Enjoy the heat. And I think this guy is great at his job. And I think people just approach him the wrong way. Now, if you don't want to see this style of wrestler in New Japan, I get that. I don't either. But as we talked about last week or the week before, whatever it was, I've given up the ghost on that. This is what New Japan is now. So either get on board or get lost. Maybe the promotion is not for you anymore. And maybe they won't be for me anymore at some point if they keep leaning this hard into it. But this is what they are. This is what he is. And um, I've got bad news if you don't like them. The push isn't going to stop. All right, let's move on to the tag title match here. Uh, it is Dangerous Tuckers, Taichi and, and Zack Sabre Jr., obviously the champions, defending against the World Tag League champions, Gorillas of Destiny. I think uh, I think old G.O.D., what's it, eight? I think they're going to make it eight uh, on this night. I, I feel like they're getting titles back. Uh, wh- wh- what are your thoughts on that? They're creeping up on being the most prolific tag team of Japan. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> yes. Yep, in the history of the company, correct. Um. Yeah, so let me get the it, let me get the exact ones right. It'll be their seventh time if they win the titles here. It'll be their seventh time with the championship. Tie, break, <laughs> yeah. That'll that'll break the tie with Tenkoji. They will be the most prolific Jeez. tag team champions. With their and look, it might not come in this match, but they're winning these titles again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I don't have an a, a exact read. Like I wouldn't bet on this one. I think this one's definitely a coin toss. I think either team could 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 win this one. Would I be shocked if if God win? No, of course not. Um, to me, I'd probably. Keep the titles on Techers, but I mean, they tend to change these titles a lot. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom. I can go, I can go back and, and list every one of the title changes on Wrestle Kingdom, but you know, 2010, yeah. 2012, <laughs> 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So, <laughs> just you know, I don't mean, be surprised. I don't know. I have. I'm so indifferent on this. It's the match I probably care about least on either well, show. Yeah. Let me think about that. No, Let me look at the other part. Mm, there's a match on night. No, two, it's but. no. I know the one you're talking about, but I care about this less. I just there are two teams. I don't look. I have very different opinions on Techers. I think that's what it comes down to. Everyone else in the world thinks this is a great tag team. I think they're fine. Like I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're great. I think they exist. I, their matches never do a thing for me. Techers are a team where. They could have a 14-minute match, and I swear it was 38 minutes. And that's, like, the worst thing you can be as a wrestler, like, to have matches that I think were twice as long as they really were. And they always break down into this New Japan tornado tag style when it's – I just – I don't – they don't connect with me. Like, they connect with everyone else. I think they're vastly overrated. I think they're going to clean up come award season because it's been a terrible year for tag teams worldwide, and I get it. And I'm not begrudging anybody who who has enjoyed them. I get why people – they're not for me. I just – so I'm indifferent on this match because how could you not be indifferent on Gorillas of Destiny? I mean we've seen this play out, like Rich said, six times already. And 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 I'm not into techers. I'd rather – I'd rather Zack Sabre Jr. do anything but be in this tag team. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care about Taichi. Taichi has improved a ton and he had a sneaky good G1 and I like watching him. But I don't care about him. 
Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like, yeah, I don't like that, that's the thing with this team. And I think I, I like them a little bit more than you do, but I don't like I, it, if they win the titles or lose the title, it, it means absolutely nothing to me. You know what I mean? I'm like not invested yeah. in them whatsoever on any level uh, at, at all. So that, that makes their matches. They have a certain ceiling to them because it's like, I don't really, you know, they could lose or win or whatever. It doesn't really matter. And it, they never really hook me as much as, as they seem to hook some other people. Uh, as well in their matches. And the Girls of Destiny, like, I thought they had a good World Tag League. I thought, you know, Tangaloa in particular was pretty good, but I'm not I'm not fooling myself into thinking the Girls of Destiny are actually good now. I'm not doing it. So. Well, we all, well, because we all fooled ourselves into thinking that New Japan was, was elevating these tag team titles because Golden Ace was involved and they had the feud with Techers. Mm-hmm. But these titles are right back where they were. Yep, exactly. Second match on the card at Wrestle Kingdom in a match that no one cares about against a team that is in this match every year, seemingly. It's right back where it was. That was not an elevation of the tag team titles. You know what that was? That was just Tanahashi's story. That was the advancement of the Tanahashi decline story and making it clear that Kota Ibushi has surpassed Tanahashi. That was the point of that feud. It really had nothing to do with Techers. They were yeah, we, we worked ourselves into a shoot thinking that that was them saying, all right, let's you know channel classic All Japan Pro Wrestling and put our top stars that aren't doing anything in the tag division. And that's uh, not at all. Yeah, it's, that, it's no, not even close to what it was supposed to be. Now, right back where we started with right. the tag team. And Techers really, they were. it could have been any heel foil team on the other side. Now looking back in hindsight, they really didn't mean much to the story other than they were the guys that were on the other side of the ring. The story was Ibushi was showing that Tanahashi was clearly below Ibushi. And it's really part of of Ibushi's greater story, his climb, which we'll get to in a minute. And I think that was very important to establishing to the fans that Ibushi is clearly ahead of Tanahashi at this point. Look at at TLB coming up with the Coke Z in the clutch. She knows I'm parched. What a tremendous job. I am adorable. That's right. (laughs) Say that louder. Adorable Joe Lanza. the adorable Joe Lanza. She just invented a new moniker. We could add that to the list. Uh, cherry, cherry Coke Z or just uh, straight Coke Z? No, come on now. You think I would do a Chikara Coke Z? <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, the Cherry Coke Z is fantastic. No. Yeah. No. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Tremendous job. Yeah, take the empty one. Absolutely. You are. Thank wow, you. look at that. Tremendous job. We're here waddling out of here. Nice job. Good job. Man. I'm here for you. That's honey. why you get married. Listen, you find one like that, that's why you marry. <laughs> that's not what I get at all. <laughs> I'd get it thrown at my head if I asked for a fucking can of soda while I was doing this stupid thing. I didn't even ask. I didn't ask. She knew. She sensed that the can was empty. Prancing in here in the yoga pants too. Nothing oh, wrong that's with nice, that. Nice, 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 nice asset. Yeah, that, that always helps. So, nothing wrong with that. All right, um, broke my concentration. Yeah, do you, uh, let's get back on track. Let's talk about Wrestle Kingdom. All right. I was just saying that. Yeah, not your that, lovely uh, wife. Come on, no <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> yeah, hit the bricks now, Toots. I got things to talk. <laughs> I got to talk about um, fucking. I got. Well, you got Kojima coming up, so I'm, she's. It's a good thing she got you that Coke Z now because 
we got the Joe Lanza offer match coming up here in a sec. <laughs> yes. so. This is the Joe Lanza dream match coming up. But yeah, just to tie, you know, tie the bow on this, it, it was more about showing that Ibushi's clearly ahead of Tanahashi. And that's deliberate because they're, I think Ibushi's winning both of the matches uh, coming up. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. But yeah, tag titles right back where they were. I don't have any investment in Techers. I know there's probably people way more into this match than me. But how, even if you're a big fan of Techers, fucking Gorillas of Destiny, how can you not be burnt right, out right, on that? Right, yeah. Exactly. So I don't really. So I I stand by my uh, alleged hot take that this is to me the least interesting match on either night for me. All right, get get a uh, sip of that Coke Z because we got a singles match for the IWGP United States Championship Challenge Rights Certificate Briefcase. It's Kenta, all caps, versus Satoshi Motherfucking Kojima, the Joe Lanza offer match, and I will just let you have the floor. No, I mean, look for Kojima. This is a guy who I think he had some absurd win-loss record. He was like 41-19. and 19 Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, he had like the most wins of anybody just because – I mean, he piled up like 17 wins on the World Tag League Tour, which helped yeah. a lot. You know, 17 straight, you know, victories. You said they should be in the tag title mix, not the Girls of Destiny, but, uh, you know. Kojima and Hanma. Yeah. yeah. I think that Kojima – I mean, they're pitting Gabriel Kidd every time, but still, it still counts. He's hit a Western Lariat on Yota Suji three times since we started this podcast. (laughs) But he's a guy who they still treat with respect. Look, Nakanishi at the end always lost his matches, right? It's like this guy, he wins, but it's always in prelims and matches that don't mean anything because he's popular with the fans. They put him out there in the opener. He beats a young lion with the Western Lariat. They play that awesome fucking theme music. I love that fucking song. And then, uh, and you know, he smiles. He puts his fucking his uh, nasal. Stri- what, what do you call, what do you call those? Yeah, things? the breathe Jerry right, Rice. the breathe right strips. I think he's the last man alive. I know Jerry keeping... Jerry Rice was the last NFL player, and he was yeah. in like 2003 or whatever. And Coach, he was still wearing. Them. I have not. Where does he get them? <laughs> do they even sell them anymore? I have no. I have not seen a single person wear them since he has. But what an incredible he's man! Keeping the company alive single handedly with the breathe right strips. Um, because athletes don't use those no. things anymore. I haven't seen a, a breathe right strip on an athlete. Maybe I mean, are we just not noticing? I don't. No, think they use them. no, I haven't seen a single one. They're a scam, right? Uh, I believe so. I never actually had a chance to uh, to, to use one. But I think what they do is they pull your nostrils like apart a little yeah. bit. So I guess they total would. Scam. But yeah, it's a total scam. I think so. Total scam. That can't work. How much more air are you really getting with the breathe right strip? We should try it with you because you got that whistling nose thing. So maybe we could try with you. Heavy shot, my friend. If You're I knew, no, I'm, I'm being honest. I want to help you. <laughs> working stiff tonight, I see. Okay. Well, <laughs> if I could sign where to buy them, I would give you one. So. This is why we call him secretly sassy. He's working stiff. Um, yeah, so Kojima, look, he wins his matches, but they're never of consequence. He gets the spot here because Juice is out. This is such an upgrade. I oh, mean, my God. I've had it with Juice. Like, I have nothing against Juice. But Juice and Finley, as far as I'm concerned, can both hit the bricks. No, nah, he, he's been he's been he's had that moment to kind of wait for him to step up, and and his return this year has been utter shit. It's like, dude, you you didn't wrestle for six months, and you come back with some broke ass Blues Brothers thing and a bunch of low effort matches. Get the fuck out of here. You're done. I mean, that's harsh. Rich no. still working stiff. I mean, um, no, no, no. I get where you're coming from. I I don't think it's a lack of effort with Juice though. I think it's just he's hit the seal. He's He's gone as far as he's going to go in his company. And he's been there for like six years. It's been, you know, it's not like he's fresh anymore. 
they're never pushing him above like the U.S. title slash never level whatever. Right. And I mean, he brings energy. He does bring energy, and he's brought energy to the clap crowds. But I, I'm just tired of him from the perspective of there's nothing left to do. It's time to go somewhere else. Even if you eventually come back here, maybe it'll freshen you up. Maybe someone will have a new idea for you, and it'll reinvigorate your career. And then you can come back fresh. And then we're like, oh, hey, Juice is back instead of, oh, fuck, another Juice Robinson match. Finley, too. And he's lower on the pole than Juice. Like, Finley. Where's he going in this company? The yeah, no. I, I often think about, like, Finley and, like, what, what I would do if I was in Finley's, you know, place. And I don't know that I would – I don't know if I'd stay with the company, to be honest, because it's like, what am I doing and where am I going? Like, what was – I mean, Juice at least a little bit has had those few moments where he's at least popped up and had some title shots and had some moments or whatever. Dude, Finley has just done nothing. He's just on a never-ending treadmill going nowhere, and then he gets hurt well, and comes back, and he's yeah. right back where he was. It's just like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? Like, at what point of your bl- career are you going to say, look, I need to, I need to change the pace here? But I, wouldn't, I don't blame them because I don't think he has any charisma. I wouldn't push him. Would you push him? Oh, no, no. I don't think, he's pu- I don't think you can push him. Um, he can't get, you can't give him a serious push. So, again, that's a, he's a prime candidate. Like, if this were the territory era or there were more options – He's a prime candidate to, I've worn out my welcome here. I got to go freshen up somewhere. Yeah. Reset. And both of these guys were in ROH in 2019. Juice didn't want to be there. And he got out. I don't know. I'm sure. I, I don't know what Finley's state of mind was there, but he never works indies. Finley never takes an indie booking. No. And Juice has openly said, I don't like working indies. I don't like the shitty rings. I don't know who I'm going to be working with. I respect that. I don't have any problem with that. Well, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it in person. I've seen him in person. Uh, get done with an indie match and, and get annoyed and pissed off and just leave the fucking building immediately. So, yeah, I've heard him say. I mean, I was on a media call with Juice Robinson where he flat out said it. He said, "I don't like working indies, and I, I rarely take indie bookings. And when I do, I regret it. Like he doesn't like it. Uh, so I get maybe Finley has that same mindset of uh, of why he doesn't do it. But it's like, and I don't really mind that. But it. it I'm just trying to get in their heads here. Like maybe Finley's happy being a new Japan prelim guy. And we'll be happy being a new Japan prelim guy for life. And if that's the case, good for him. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I think if there's any ambition in his body, it's time to branch out and do something else. I don't know what his ambition is. I don't know what his motivation levels are. Juice. I, he's not going to leave. Cause he, lo- he, he, doesn't he live there? I mean, or at least part time or whatever. Didn't he buy an apartment or something? I believe so. Yeah. 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 So he loves it. So it's like, I don't expect him. I'm just saying, I feel like a two-year run somewhere else, AEW, or you don't really don't want to go anywhere else in Japan because it's just such a backwards move. But, you know, and he's not going to go back to WWE because I don't think – I think he is enjoying life outside of WWE. So it's like AEW would be – and he doesn't like ROH. We know that. So really AEW would be the only spot. It's not important where. I'm just saying he's like – the kind of guy who can go somewhere else. He'd be new to those fans. He, a new booker would have new ideas for him. And sometimes that's all it takes mm-hmm. to, to, to inject some juice. Awful. I didn't mean that. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you didn't because usually I know when you're trying to, 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 to do one and you would have paused briefly before you said juice, but you did not at that time. Pause, pause. and then You smirk. paused at the end when you realized, oh, God. Do the pause and the smirk and a little head bob. Yeah. Because you, you got off a smart one. Juice in his career, um, yeah. Yeah, no, but, and that's a phrase I use a lot anyway. It just fucking came out of me. Awful. 
But yeah, those two guys, I don't know. I they, dude, see, when either one of them come out, do you get excited? I mean, that's no. kind of no. It's just like, no. oh yeah, there you go again. And the thing with Juice, and I didn't mean to be like really harsh on him, but I don't know that I've ever seen same like you say with Finley. Like I think Juice, yeah, it's cool that he gets the crowd going and good, but. I don't see performances that make me think, oh, man, I'm, I'm not doing enough with this guy. i got to push him more. And I guess, like you said, maybe he's cool with that. But it's like, damn, like a few years ago it felt that way. I mean, we, we, you can go back in old ebook profiles. And I'm saying this is the year of Ju- Juice feels like he's ready to go. Juice seems invested and seems invigorated and all that sort of stuff. I don't get that anymore. I think he's might maybe just okay with his lot in life. I think he, maybe he's just okay with this. But I don't know. It just doesn't – you don't feel like you're getting that next-level performance out of him or that next-level effort out of him. And, and you know, for right, better or for worse, well, okay, that might just be what he thinks he's doing. But that's why, like, dude, when you add Kojima to this match, it's like, oh, fine, great. Like, yeah, get it, Juice out of here. Let's get Kojima because I know what I'm getting from Kojima. I know I'm getting full fucking effort. And I'm getting a guy that's going to live and die by this match and, and put his heart on the line in this match against Kenta. I can't wait for this match. What an upgrade. Yeah, and it's it's – and you don't know how many more of these you're going to get with Kojima. So you have to enjoy it. He wasn't even in World Tag League. I mean, they, they you know, Tenzon's in such dire shape that Tenkoji wasn't in World Tag League for the first time since it's been called World Tag League. So you don't get big matches with this guy, especially big singles matches. He had the Shingo match a couple years ago. And he had the Ultimo Guerrero match at Fantastica Mania that they built to all tour long. And now this. And they're running out. So as a big Kojima fan, and he can still go, believe me, he can still go if you're not watching those undercards. This is great. This was such an upgrade, and I love Kenta. And I've accepted who Kenta is now. Physically, he's never going to be the same. I think we all kind of hoped 2009 or 2000, well, 2005 would have been a miracle, but 2009 Kenta would have somehow miraculously come to New Japan. He's not that. He's a guy who knows he's physically limited. He's had four or five major, major injuries in his career, and he's and he's forty years old, and it's and it you know it's taken its toll. So he does other things well now. Think about the two, two of the most memorable angles in in recent New Japan history are the turn and attack of Shibata, and the attack of Tetsuya Naito at last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Right, he's this he's guy. he's weirdly become a great angle wrestler and not a great like yeah. in ring wrestler. It's just if I told you fifteen years ago, hey, this Kenta guy, yeah, he's not going to be that good anymore, but he's going to be really good at like getting heel heat and charisma and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and his promos after and his translated promos and his Twitter game and all that sort of stuff. You would say, no, he's the fucking greatest wrestler in the world. You're out of your mind. There's no way he's going to be bad. And it's like he's not bad, but yeah, he's just like so much better at being an angle guy now than he is as being an in ring guy. Yeah, and and that's what he has to be. Because he doesn't have that 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 snap that he had, you know. Because time waits for no man. So, um, and and he's done a great job with it. I mean, he's not the stoic killer anymore. He can't do it, and he can't get away with that. And my phone's going off here. <laughs> yeah, who won? Who ESPN won the game alerts. there? Or, or what game is starting? Um, I've never gotten an ESPN alert that I cared about. <laughs> They're always really bad. Yeah, I always get them. Like I always think about it that I want them, and I get them for like a day, and then I take them off because it's always just like. The Browns closed their facility due to COVID. I'm like, I don't care. Thanks. I, I never care. Like, this one was like, Kentucky's gearing up for the poinsettia bowl. I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. Why are you telling me Sir, this? they were in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl that I watched earlier, so. Yeah, maybe it just ended. Because I saw something about Kentucky and a bowl, and I, I couldn't have swiped fast enough. Like, that's the kind of alert you don't even want to – you're so disgusted, you don't even want to – 
Kentucky in a bowl? Who could possibly care? The four and six, four and six Kentucky playing in the uh, Tax Slayer. <laughs> um, it's still going on, so I don't know what the hell your notification is. It's I guess it's it said something about Kentucky. It's you in the fourth quarter. And... Yeah, they're they're currently beating uh, NC State. Uh, upset alert, beating number twenty three <laughs> NC State in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. So. It was probably something like Kentucky running back Jim Pitsnoggle runs for 200 yards in the in the. It was probably some fucking yeah, nonsense. some terrible, terrible, yeah. yeah. It's some terrible feat that no one cares about. Um, I I, ne- I have never gotten an alert from it, and I'm sure there's a way to turn it off. Okay, I get that, but you know, I don't. I I'll look for it. Here's what happens: I'll go into settings and look for it, and if I can't find it in like two seconds flat. I get impatient and frustrated, and then I don't. You just rather just swipe, and 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 get you know Kentucky Gator Bowl updates just to your phone and get annoyed about them instead. Yeah, preferences and alerts. Let's see. Uh, Oh, here we go. Um, I have the instant awesome alerts turned off already. God, I can only imagine how bad those are. (laughs) Instant awesome. It's like yeah, it's just terrible highlights. Yeah, just like Trey Young dazzles. Just like right. Trey Young doing a crossover and hitting a three, and it's like, thanks for giving me this. I really appreciate it. Again, this. don't care. Like, I'm probably watching a movie or trying to bang my wife, and my phone goes off. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking Kelly Oubre hitting a three at the buzzer. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, but the breaking news slider is on. That's the problem. So let's turn that fucker off. Oh, product updates and offers is turned on. That doesn't need oh, to be Oh, that can on. go. Yeah, hit the fucking bricks, ESPN. Um, so now they're all off. No more fucking alerts from ESPN. Um, you know what gets me every time I'm doing this show are the are the Slack notifications. They come in and the chime in my ear from that thing <laughs> is deafening. It stops me in my tracks. I don't even know what it sounds like. I, I turned it off, I think, day one, so. And it, it and it's it's jarring. I'm trying to make some awesome points, and I got Iron Mike Spears telling me that the next uh, you know open the voice gate is ready for upload, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that 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 notification is loud. Um, yeah, so you know Kenta, that's what he is now. Rich said it. He's a promo guy, very charismatic promo. Maybe one of the best promos in the company, English and Japanese. And I, this is the Joe Lanza offer match, two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I, I can't wait. I'm very excited for this. And as far as the U.S. title goes, I've spoken my piece on that. I don't give a shit if they keep it on Moxley. I am firmly on team. No interim title. Interim titles are the dumbest thing in the world. They suck in MMA. They suck especially in pro wrestling. If you want to strip John Moxley, be my guest. If you want to keep the title on John Moxley in perpetuity until he can come back, be my guest. I am not sussed either way. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I definitely don't want an interim title. That I hate. I hate. So if you're gonna Wait, if you're gonna strip him, strip him. I have no issues with that. If they think, hey, look, man, there's no way we're gonna get you over here next amount of time, and we want to use this title. But like the title is meaningless otherwise. You, you know, like, and that's why I almost kind of like. I, I'm glad that Kent's having fun with this this briefcase and whatnot. But that's gonna get a little long in the tooth. And at a certain point, this title is gonna not mean anything if it's just not being defended or it's not doing it. And like, I don't think it really means anything. Regardless, because if you can't go to America, you can't defend it both, you know, overseas and it's like, I don't know. I, I, I there's been a lot of talk about this title, and I, I'll be honest, I really don't give a shit one way or another. At the end of the day, it's like it doesn't. I don't lose sleep over who's the U.S. champion. 
you know, you know, so uh, I don't really care. Strip him if you want. Keep him. I just don't do an interim title. Is all I would say. I don't. I don't like that idea because then it's just the You're, same old yeah. tired trope of I'm the real champion. That title yeah. you have doesn't mean anything. And it's like okay, here we go. You're either champion or you're not. Right. I mean, even in MMA and boxing, they love to do interim titles, and it's like, look. In my opinion, if you can't defend your title, then you shouldn't be the champion. Yeah, it's done, it's done wonders for boxing. Yeah, it's more popular than ever. So that's yeah, maybe maybe don't do that. You know, just if a guy can't defend in X amount of time, then okay, if if, if it's an injury he can recover from, he defends it when he can get back. If he t- tears an ACL and he's out for a year, or you know, then strip him. When you come back, you can challenge. You'll be first in line to challenge. I don't like the idea of a fake interim champion running around. You can't have two champions. There's one champion, and you're either champion or you're not. And availability is part of that, you know? So I don't like it, and especially in pro wrestling where you have more creative freedom to do what you want to do. Why would you ever do an interim champion? Stupid. You know? Strip the guy, and then he has a gripe. And you have a built-in pro wrestling Right, and that's probably what I would have done, but now that it's gone on for as long as it has, it's like, I don't. It's the easiest story you can tell. You strip him, and then when he can come back, he says, I, I never, never lost, lost this. my yeah, title. Yeah, never lost this title, and, and, and I'm winning it back. Yeah. Interim title? Ugh, no. Just don't do the interim. Or keep it on him. Who gives a shit? We do have some extenuating circumstances here. It's not like he's taking bookings for Game Changer instead. Okay? He can't get here. It's a fucking once-in-a-century pandemic. I can live with this guy holding the title uh, you know, while we it's wait also, for this. It's not the IWGP heavyweight title. It's the fucking U.S. title. It's completely yeah. meaningless. <laughs> the, entire... God, the, the, the amount of, of like, uh, efforts that goes into these discussions, and we're, we're doing it right now. I know, yeah. That's, I'm trying to move on because I got, I got, we got a lot of stuff to get to here. Yeah, let's move on. Let's do this. Uh, Tanahashi versus the Great Dash O Dash Khan. Yeah, I mean, we've talked at length, and I think you're on, you were on Team O'Con, correct? Oh, yeah, of course. A lot of people are not on Team O'Con. Yeah, what's Tanahashi doing with his jobber? What's he doing? Oh, yeah. they really don't think anything of Tanahashi. No, you dummies. Like, you yeah. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you're missing the point here. The point's going right over your head. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just Tanahashi's lot in life. I mean, if I'm booking this, it's a squash. If I am booking this, it's a three-minute match. And Okan just destroys him. Um, continues to destroy the. They're not going to do that. It's a six-match card, and... Look, um, and I get all that, and but I would just squash him. I would squash Tanahashi, and Willow Spray would beat Okada. And I don't think either of those things are going to happen. I think um, Okan, I think, will win, or I'm hoping. I think Tanahashi's more in, at the spot in his career where he's going to lose these matches, and I think Okada's going to win. But um, Okan's going to be a guy, and and I mean. If you guys only saw the stuff that we see from people in the company regarding Ocon, I mean, I'll just leave it at that. It's it's a lock. At minimum, he's going to get every opportunity to be a – when I say a top guy, Rich, a tippy top guy. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. Talking- yeah, I mean, look at the template. It, 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 it's following the template of – and we say this all the time. When those when the guys come back from their excursions, it's clear who they think are tippy-top guys, who are stars, who are your Jay Whites, your Okadas, your Okan. I mean, look at the trajectory. It's already there. And who are your Master Watos and, you know, and Yo's and Shows or whatnot. That's nothing against yeah. Yo and Show. They were ready to go, but they weren't at this level. There's cl- This is the Jay White template. Exactly. Yes. And if you don't see that and understand where Jay White is, which is main eventing night two of Wrestle Kingdom, like, 
know? Yeah. Man, the final fucking match of this two-night Wrestle Kingdom spectacular. If you don't think that Okan's on that same trajectory, I don't know what to tell you. Because he is. Like, Okada, You're too. wrong. When Okada, <laughs> yeah. Okada came back, too. Same yeah. trajectory. Just instant, this they is going to be a They don't fuck around with a year and a half of that guy. The year and a half of them fucking around was when they were young lions and their excursion. And once they're ready to come back and they think that they're a top guy, they, they hit the fucking ground running. Jay White hit the ground running, Okada hit the ground running, and Okada's already hit the ground running as well with Tanahashi. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Get used to it. I mean, he could lose the match. I don't think he will. He could lose it, and it won't mean anything. I think, I, you know, honestly, like, I, if, if I were a betting man, I think he does lose it because I think they probably want him to kind of work his way up a little bit more in, in terms of that stuff. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes in there and squashes Tanahashi. But they might want him to lose this one and kind of, you know, get a rematch in a few months here or whatnot and beat him. But uh, if you want to tell that story, but I think honestly, if I were booking, I just haven't beat him. There's no, there's no point in, in, in waiting really at this point. If he squashed him and then stood over his fallen body, the great Hiroshi Tanahashi, a living legend. And Okan stood over his fallen body and put those hands behind his back and cut that micless promo. That he's been. Have you seen these micless promos in the? In the oh in, yeah, in, they're great. He cuts these promos without a mic, with that booming voice, and from all accounts, he cuts incredible promos. Could you imagine in that building, in that dome, standing over the fallen body of Hiroshi Tanahashi, cutting a micless promo, echoing throughout that giant building, with all of that star presence that he has? How that will come across? I mean, I'm picturing that in my head. And it's like I, I, I'm getting excited about what this guy can be in the future. I mean, aside from the fact that people are missing the obvious with his trajectory and his push, it's just people are missing what he brings to the table. This guy has a presence you cannot teach by just standing there. And these things that he does to stand out, like these promos I'm talking about with that booming voice – and and uh, it, it's so unique to cut promos without a microphone. And I've spoken in the past about how hard it is for a guy like this who's supposed to be on the ground floor of a rocket pack push to the top of the card without the benefit of fans, right? But what a great idea and pivot to take advantage of the fact that you're in quiet buildings then buy this micless promo gimmick. That's brilliant. I mean, that takes advantage of, of the bad hand that you were dealt because people half are forced, are forced to sit in silence while your voice resonates and echoes throughout yep. the building. Mm-hmm. How smart is that? Well, and giving him that spot tells you as well. I mean, that, that's nothing is done without purpose in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So the idea that they're saying go out there and yell and scream and get your time and do all that sort of stuff, I mean, it's obvious that that's intended Exactly the way we're seeing it is, is is it's a star presence. It's it's a, it's what stars do, and it's what you know Okan is going to be, whether you like it or not. So yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, again, if you saw the things that we see from people in the company, it's it's this. We're not over exaggerating this, and it's not like the the the, the, the people in the company know and they agree with us that this guy is going all the way. Why do you think he's in this match with Tanahashi? You think Tanahashi doesn't call his own shots? You don't think Tanahashi, you got to listen. When you're Kenta, they tell you who you're wrestling. When you're Hiroshi Tanahashi, they pitch to you who you're wrestling. 
and then you give the thumbs up, thumbs down. He's Hiroshi Tanahashi, okay? So it's obvious that Tanahashi believes in this guy. It's obvious that the booking committee believes in this guy by the way that he's been pushed. It's obvious that Okada believes in this guy. And I can tell you straight up for a fact that the office and everybody else believes in this guy. This guy was handpicked by Takaaki Kadani. Mm-hmm. Handpicked. Yep. To be the guy. So he's got the, the most important person in his corner. So even if he was a flop and no one else believed in him, which isn't the case, they all think he's going to be a megastar. I'm talking ace, top guy. I, 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 I can't stress this enough. Even if everyone else was like, oh, I don't know, he was going to get a chance anyway because the guy in charge was, loves him. But on top of that, everyone else agrees that this guy has it. And a lot of people are going to be wrong. A lot of people are going to be wrong at minimum at the level of push he ends up getting and at maximum when he ends up being a huge star. You can't ever call anyone an absolute lock. That's not really what I'm trying to do. But it's an absolute lock that he's going to get the opportunity. This is the next step. And in my opinion, he will get there because he he has that special thing that you cannot teach. Uh, and stick with the Empire here. We got the next match here. Semi-main event of uh, Night 1 Wrestle Kingdom. Okada versus Will Ospreay. Just a straight-up singles match. Another kind of legend against a member of Empire working his way up the ladder. Um, I think it's probably more likely that Will wins his match than Okan wins his. But um, I don't know. It, this is all, the, Both matches are really fascinating because I think any result... Well, well, the the mere idea that these guys are in the semi main event and 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 you know and, and two matches in Wrestle Kingdom against singles matches, no stipulations, no titles on the line, nothing. I mean that that alone is 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 moves those guys up the ladder. That alone is a push. So even if Okada and Tanashi both beat these guys, it doesn't matter. It, 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 they've still succeeded and they've still obviously set a clear example or a clear idea of what these guys are going to be in the future. But this is my most anticipated match of the entire weekend. Uh, Okada versus Osprey. I'm, I'm very curious to see if Okada can get back on, on on track, have another great match. Like you know, we, we know that he's capable of doing it. 2020 was a weird year for him. There was a lot of odd match structures and odd matches and and odd efforts. But I when I you know and I, I did his profile in the ebook. And when you really look down look at the year. By and large, it was still a tremendous year that he had in ring. The problem was he did a half the year against Gato and fucking Yujiro. And it's like, oh, is it just that he was against terrible wrestlers and he knew he was against terrible wrestlers? I kind of think so. And yeah, those interviews that he's done and, and, and whatnot, I'm not saying that there's not going to be interference. That might be the tip-off that there is going to be interference or whatnot. But I think Okada is a very prideful guy and a very prideful wrestler. So I, I in my mind, these guys are going to go out here and they're going to absolutely go out there and kill it. And I know Will Ospreay is a guy who understands what this moment is and understands the brevity of this moment and is going to go out there and kill it. So yeah, I, I, this, I'm really, my, my, my expectations are fucking sky high for this match. There's just going to be an incredible, incredible match. And I don't know the result. Uh, similar to the Okan, I would probably have Will win if I was doing it, but you can have Okada win too. And I, I don't think the story changes too much either. Uh, it's a huge moment for Ospreay, a huge moment for Okada. Uh, and I can't wait for it. Now, it'd very much be a New Japan thing for either or both of these guys to lose. I mean, Jay White lost when to Tanahashi. And then, and look, Okan lost to Okada yeah. already. I mean, he had a match with Okada, and now he has a match with Tanahashi, which, again, wake up, people. This isn't, you know, you don't get matches with these guys in these spots if they don't believe in you. And Will Ospreay, not worried. Um, one of the best, big, arguably the best big match wrestler in the world. Arguably the best wrestler in the world. Um, you know, and, and Okada... I don't know what to make of his promos in the lead-in because he keeps stressing how it's going to be a great match and a great performance, and he can't wait. And 
he's almost stressing it too much. Almost as a setup for Osprey to, you know, some kind of bullshit win, maybe a new member of Empire, who knows. Um, but at the same time, I think Okada, remember, Okada handpicked Will Ospreay after that match in Rev Pro. He handpicked him. He wanted to bring him in. He wanted him to be part of Chaos. He wanted to be, this is, you know, this is the mentor versus the, you know, it's all that tied into this as well. So, and I think he he wants Will Ospreay to be successful in New Japan and he wants him to get, to, and this is a very pivotal match for that. So from that perspective, I think you're going to see maximum effort on both sides. And I think it has a chance to be the best match of the weekend. And with the gimmick that Okada has been doing, it's weird to say, but it's like a dark horse for the best. You see this on paper, it'd be the a threat to be the best match on any card ever. But it's like, with the way they've been telling Okada's story, it's like, it's kind of a sneaky pick for the best match of the weekend. If it does turn out that way, which is crazy. But um, yeah, it's my most anticipated match as well. And because I'm curious about the finish, I'm curious how it's worked. Um, And I'm really into the empire, both Okan and Ospreay, even Cobb, which we'll talk about later, I think has improved his stock. So, um, just cannot wait for this. So curious where all this goes. And, it, and and yeah, you're right. It doesn't really matter whether they win or not. I would book them to win. You know how I would do things. You know how Rich would do things. He would do the same. Um, but New Japan's a little different in that regard sometimes. And it, it takes a little longer. But listen, Osprey already beat Okada once. It's not like you're still saving it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's like, I would have preferred if they saved it for this, but you had to do the turn. So... um. I don't know. I just hope it's great and it's going to be fun watching Okan and Osprey ascend up the card. You know, Osprey is a threat to win the title this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I had people ask me, and I did a Q and A on, on you know New Year's, and they said you know rank these you know things of happening or whatnot or where you know what's Osprey's you know what's his trajectory this year, and I said like I put him in in a very small list of people that I think could win the whole G one, and I put him in a very small list of people that I think could hold this uh, this world title at some point this year. Depending he if they want to bounce that. the title back around a bunch. I, I don't know. They might have Kotobushi win it the whole year. But what, one way or another, he's either winning the G1 or in the mix of the G1 or he's winning that title this year. That That's where he's at this year. Yeah, because he can get that thing they do when someone turns heel where they win the title to establish them at that level. They did it with Naito when he came back with the LIJ gimmick. They did it with Jay White when when they put the title on him for the first time. And they did it with Evil, right? Again, Read the patterns, the booking patterns. So when a guy first turns heel to establish and tell the audience he is at the main event championship level, they will often give them a short run with the title. I can see him getting that kind of run. I don't I don't see him getting any kind of definitive career-defining run with that title. And, but I could see him getting one of them quickie runs that puts the fans on notice. Okay, this is a guy now that we have to consider in the top tier. He could absolutely get that at some point this year. Or like you're saying, win the G1, which is not out of the question either. Look, we're in a new era. There are new story arcs beginning now with Okan, with Osprey, uh, with whatever, you know, Abushi finally getting the top level push, with Sonata and Evil. You go right down the line. These people's arcs are starting now. I've written about this extensively behind the paywall and in the book. Spoken about it here. Spoken about it other places. Okay? The Okada and Naito main arcs are over. 
that's the previous era. They will have different roles now. It's not like they're going to be jobbed out, but they, they have a different role. They're, Okada's main arc is over. Naito's ended when he won the title last year. The, this is a new era, and it's about all of these guys and where their arcs are going to go. Some are going to land, some aren't. Some are going to turn out to be the biggest stars of the next decade, and others won't. But uh, it didn't happen for Goto, for instance. But it happened for Naito, and it happened for Okada. Right? So you're, this is why it's kind of an exciting period right now for New Japan, because we're seeing the very beginning stages of Okan and Osprey and Evil and maybe Sonata and Kota Ibushi finally getting his chance. Because, yeah, he might be a little older than these guys, right? But I think we could safely both agree that he's entering, and this is a good transition to the next match, the, 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 finally the true big main event push that we've been waiting for for him. Yeah. And that's coming now, you know? And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch all this play out. What, where you are right now in New Japan, okay, you are in February 2012. This is the ground floor. This was all that excitement surrounding Okada beating Tanahashi. All that excitement of the rise of Naito, which took a little bit longer and had some potholes along the way. And he needed to go to Mexico and find the magic ingredient that he was missing. You're in the ground floor now, but with a new set of people, which is what's exciting about it. Even if the in-ring is leaving a lot to be desired and the heel stuff, put that aside. You're watching the seeds be planted for the next era of New Japan. And you're watching it play out from the start, and that's exciting. From that perspective, so we have the first of the two title matches. First of the two title matches here for uh, double titles, of course. Uh, Naito coming in with both the titles against Kota Ibushi. You kind of tipped your hand a little bit there. You think Ibushi is winning this and moving on to night two. I think he's winning both matches. What do you think? <sighs> I think so, too. Yeah. I, I Honestly, it, it seems strange to say this. Uh, and maybe you can you – can, am, am, I, am I weird? Am, am I totally off base or weird for saying this? I think if I was going to rank the possibilities of who leaves both nights, you know, who, who leaves night two with both titles, I think Kotobushi is my number one, and I think Jay White's my number two. I think Tetsuya Naito is number three, a distant oh, number three I, as well. I don't think that's controversial. At all. Okay, yeah, because I, I don't know, I don't see a whole lot of momentum on the Jay White thing, but dude, they love heat. This company loves heat, man, and they love Jay White. So it's like, ah, dude, I don't know, it, it. it I think a lot of people are underrating how how high the percentage is of Jay White leaving this with 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 with, with Bull. I mean, he seems like one of the central figures of the story. You watch the promos, you watch the I I don't know. I like but they always kind of surprise Coda always is kind of a surprise guy too. You never you always kind of discount him. G1 was the perfect example where nobody in the world thought Kota Bushi was going to win this thing. We had like thir- you know 13% of the people that did our G1 pick him had him win in this thing, and he, he ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Kota Bushi's probably my number one. It's a great time to start his arc and, and, and really get him going, and it's a perfect way to kind of follow up the, the you know last year where he lost both nights. But I do want to keep a little bit of Jay White in there. But I, to my in, in, in my mind, there's no doubt to me that Kota Bushi wins th- this you know night one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're completely off base. But it just seems all set up for him to win this uh, night one. It just depends how much longer they want to string out the pain for Ibushi and his fans. And New Japan loves to string out the pain. That's another sort of booking rhythm that they've had. The Naito fans can tell you all about that. Um, Okada, 
when we all thought he was beating Tanahashi that year and he lost and left in tears. They love to string out the pain. But to me, they've done – this is the peak of Naito's of, – of Abushi's sort of uh, mini arc here because he – last year he loses both matches. He's the one that suffers the indignity of losing both of the matches in the Double Dome deal. This year he wins the G1 and suffers the indignity of being the first guy to lose the briefcase. It, they're just setting this up. There's a lot of heat I mean, on him. Yeah, it'd be. <laughs> I mean, if he he's not losing this first night, like that is that's too much. That's the the weight yeah. of that is too much. <laughs> you know, he, like you said, loses both nights, loses the briefcase, loses in his chance to. I mean, that's a lot of losing. And then look at the setup they're giving him. The guy that was his year long rival in 2019, and then the guy that fucked him out of the briefcase the next night. It's yeah. just it's it's right there in front of you. I think this is where he does it, and he wins. And it's so crazy to hear people say, oh, he's already 38. You know, you can't. Yeah, but, okay, it's not just age. He hasn't been used at the top. He hasn't been an IWGP champion yet. He's not overexposed. They haven't told his big story yet. And he's not, and he's like a young 38. He's, he's not, he doesn't wrestle like he's in decline. Right, right. And he's also like, I mean, if you really look at, as far as being a new Japan property, like 100% new, we're a year into that, right? Like a two, we're, we're approaching our second year of him putting yeah. pen to paper and saying, I'm with you guys. Yeah, he's been around. He's won best of the super juniors back in 2010 and all that sort of, but he wasn't, a, he was, he was a DDT guy. He was a, 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 and every other guy they wanted. I think there was a time, I mean, I think it was what it was 14 or 15 or whatever, where they said, Hey, you're our guy. And then he burnt out. Remember he went away and was wrestling fucking dummies you know in a gym uh, in like a warehouse or whatever because he just needed to get away and, and 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 wasn't fully ready to commit he's fully ready so like in their mind he's only been fully ready for about a year or two to be this guy and they and like i said they haven't told that story out with him yeah and and you couldn't because they were telling the okada and naito stories and those stories intersected at the end right and now that that's like naito th- look there's i'm not saying he'll probably have no, I, I expect Naito and Okada both to win the titles again or the title or however they're going to do it with the split. But the main, their main storylines, their through lines are, are behind them. And now that that is the case, it has opened up for someone like Abushi where you can now tell his title story. And I think they've laid it out perfectly. This is, if, this is another one of those very obvious multi-year plans. This was probably the end game for him going back to 18 or 19, definitely since 19, because the Naito feud is all part of this setup and losing the double dome is part of this setup and winning the G1 and losing the case to white. These are all probably ideas that have been stored away for years. Part of the, this is why the new Japan booking gets the praise that it gets over the last decade because they get a long-term story and then they book backwards and get there. They know their end point and then they, they take you there. And this is, to me, another example of that. So I think he'll win both matches. It's just set up perfectly for that. And, um, you know, no, he's not the answer for the next decade, obviously. But he's going to be an integral part and an important part of the main event scene for probably the next, at minimum, two to three years. And probably have a lot. He will form a very important, he'll be a very important part of the elevation of some of these other guys that we've talked about who are coming up behind him. It's probably what ultimately will play out. But um, yeah, I do think he'll win both matches. Naito, look, his fans 
and Naito got their moment last year. They're satisfied now. He beat Okada in the Dome for the double title, something Okada, he was the first double champion. Okada cannot do that ever. And he beat Okada for it. And that is where Naito's story peaked. He doesn't need to win these matches. It'll be a little weird to not have him on the second night. But it is what it is. This is Abushi's time, in my opinion. So that ends night one. We'll move on to night two here. Uh, first, the two dark matches. I don't know that we need to really touch on them too much. I'm sure you can go listen to uh, Jump Bomb Audio, uh, maybe Wrestling Omakase this week, and they'll give it a little bit more details about this. They're both stardom exhibition matches. Uh, one's a Queen's Quest versus Donna Del Mondo uh, match. And then uh, you got Iwa, uh, Iwatani and, and Nakano versus another Della, uh, or Donna Del Mondo team. I, what do you want me to tell you about those? <laughs> you know, like I could give you based, really bad your, opinions about, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't even pronounce half the fucking name. So it's like, based on you stumbling over that, I don't want you to tell me anything. about. Yeah. Those. I mean, like I, 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 I can give you half-assed efforts about them, you know, and, and, but no, I mean, it'd be cool. I'll be, I'll be interested in watching them to learn. Some well, you're not, them, I don't but. think you're going to get a chance. I mean, I don't even think anyone could watch it anyway. So they're not showing them again. Right. I I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, I have no idea what they're doing this year. I know the the Rambo is the dark on the on night one. We'll be able to see that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the situation with these. I haven't seen. Uh, yeah. But last year they were they were yeah they were under wraps. So if they um, show them to us, I'll watch them. If they don't, I yeah. I'm but I mean, I can give you a bunch of really terrible, uneducated <laughs> opinions about a bunch of wrestlers yeah. that I've only seen a couple of times. But I'm not going to do that because that's bad audio. So. That's that. So two dark matches, two stardom exhibition dark matches. Um, we'll move on to the four-way uh, for the KOPW 2021. We talked about that a little bit. It could either be a cast of just real shitty uh, comedy guys, or it could be you know an opportunity to get the big guys, your Godos, your Ishis, your Suzukis on the on the card. I have no idea. I tend to think like you said in the in the original that it's gonna or in, the, in our night one. Uh, preview that it's probably going to be a mix. It'll probably be Goto, Yano, Fale, and Suzuki. You know what I mean? Like something like that, where you got a few guys that 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 at least have some some you know merit to them, and then you're going to have your comedy guys in there as well. But we'll see. Who knows? I have no idea. I cannot even begin to predict what the hell the KOPW 2021 is going to be like. So yeah, and I think we already kind of talked about it. So I'll move on to the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles: Suzuki Gun Team of Desperado and Kanemoro versus Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wato. Yeah, I mean, where else were they going to turn with this? Um, I think they were hoping Yo would be back. But Yo is obviously not back yet. So I'm sure the plan here tentatively was Rapongi 3K in this spot to win the match for the upteenth time at the beginning of the year like they do every year. Um, and Watto and Taguchi have been put in the spot. So good opportunity for them to get on the card because of an injury, taking advantage of some opportunity. Um, I was told that mid-level junior El Desperado is a Budokan Hall main eventer now, but here he is, Kurt Jerkin, once again at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I like the team, though. I like mid-level junior El Desperado and Kanemuru. They're one of my, they're probably my favorite tag team in the company right now. I mean, I'm into them more than I'm into Techers. Um, I would hope that with the great year that he had, that mid-level junior El Desperado um, can get a bit of a push, but we've discussed that. I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. But I'm a big fan, and um, I think an elevation would be in order. I just don't think there's any room for him because Hiromu's still there, and they're obviously building the division around him. And I think uh, the big heel push is going to go to uh, to Phantasmo. So, it is. No, I know. There's a lot of people that are going to be really upset about it, but it's like, I mean. I mean, I, I look, I would love to see him sure. pushed above the 
you know, the mid mid level as well. But I, I just don't. We've we've discussed that at length. Yeah. But um, and Kanemuru, another guy who doesn't always get an opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom, and you know, great veteran, another one of my all time faves, and it's good to see him on the show. I think this match could be pretty good. I mean, Taguchi didn't really inspire a ton of confidence in me in the best of the Super Junior. Big match, Taguchi didn't really show up like like he usually does. No, not this time. Um, yeah, this year was was a little bit of a die. And I just got done watching his his uh, main event against Osprey a few years ago and remembering because <laughs> for the best of the Super Junior series on uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Uh, by the way, and 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 yeah, I'm writing all about you know big match Taguchi, and I remember that year that he just fucking he went nuts, and he used to do that every single year. He'd go nuts at best of the Super Juniors. This he may have we may have gotten to the point now where he can't do that anymore. He doesn't want to do it anymore. Or he understands kind of his lot in life, but we'll see. I don't know. This could be a, this is this is one of the bigger spots. Honestly, on, if you really look at it, this is one of the bigger spots that Taguchi's been in in a Wrestle Kingdom in quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. Did you so see know. Watto? Did you see Watto at the presser and how nervous he was? Oh the my whole time? god! I know. Watto constantly has a look on his face like he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown. That's what he looks like. He's that one anxious relative you have, who is always like right on the verge. They're like they've got a cigarette and they're like uh, they're tipping the ashes in the ashtray and their hand is shaking and they're always nervous about it. That's master. That's the look he has on his face constantly. Um, he's like. Watto is so weird too because he sucks, but he's good, but he also sucks. Right. Like there's there's things he can do well, but it's like the overall package is he's not good. And you know, we know that people don't love working with him and and he's kind of getting that kind of reputation. And um it's like, but he could be good. Like there's a chance for him to be good. I like and sometimes he does look really good. Right. It's not over yet. I'm not I'm not throwing dirt on him yet, but we're getting to the point where I'm gonna need to see at least a transformation of the character, a transformation of him. He's gotta gain confidence. He's gotta feel like all you have to do is look at great Ocon when he's done with the match and look at Master Watson when he's done with the match. The confidence levels yes. are just one nice. guy's puffy chested out there screaming his lungs out, knows that he belongs, knows that he's a star, knows that he's a top guy, and the other guy's Master Watto. Yeah, he looks like yeah. a kid that doesn't want to get called on in class is the look that he has. You know, like the, <laughs> yes. I didn't read the book. I really hope she doesn't call on me type of attitude that Mr. Watto has. You know, every time of like, oh, no, I didn't I didn't read Macbeth at all. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about this book. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's so much as confidence. You know, you're either sitting up straight in your chair in class and want to get called on. That's exactly it. And Ocon has that confidence and that presence, and Watto just doesn't yet. Um, and look, maybe that, look, I, I hate to pat myself on the back again, but I kind of called this with with uh, with with Kawato. What was his name? Hirai, uh, Hirai, Hirai Kawato. Yeah, Hirai Kawato. He had this intriguing crowd connection as a young lion, which I thought was his biggest strength. But he just came across like too much of a geek. Well, he was a geek underdog that people liked because he was a geek yes. underdog. And that's what he is now. It's like right. still what he is. Like, and now his gimmick is he's a geek underdog. I called this to a T. Like, if you go dig up those shows, and, you know, it's like, this is exactly what I, how I projected him out. It's like one of the only things, besides sex, it's like one of the only good thing, things I'm good at in life is projecting out star power. I, like, I knew exactly where this guy was going to land. And it, it's exactly where he is. So maybe this is all he's going to be. I mean, I wouldn't even expect any more out of him. He's an undercard junior who they hope can be popular with kids because I could see where he would have appeal with children. 
I mean, you, you, yeah, you chuckle. I mean, kids <laughs> like guys that are cool, right? They don't like dorks. Dude. No, but they also like characters they can relate to. And he comes across like a child. I don't want to. Yes. Well, I don't want to say that this adult man comes across like a child, but you get what I'm saying. I, like he, yeah, I got you. I got you. Like yeah. he has a like I he has one day you can look like, like a Smurf and fuck up karate moves all the time too. Yes, it's great. Correct, but I mean he's got something that children are drawn to more so than fucking. <laughs> Does I don't he? Know. I mean, is that just something people? I say? think that's the hope. I yes. Think that's the yeah. Hope. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. I mean, there have been wrestling characters over the years that appeal to children. I mean, and, and there's other wrestling characters. Like, Bruiser Brody was never going to appeal to a five-year-old child. You're right. Master Wato is not Bruiser Brody. Correct. You got to work with me here. I'm, I'm going. Okay, you're fine. Go ahead. He's heat. Uh, <laughs> Minoru like... Suzuki is not going to appeal to a five-year-old child. He's going to scare them to death, right? But if you're an undercard comedy guy, and I'm not saying he's a comedy guy, but we've seen them in you know other places. Undercard comedy wrestlers sometimes uh, appeal to children. I think – anyway. I he's don't a, think he's he a dynamic dude anymore. is what you're saying. He's come out on a skateboard and throw Frisbees to the crowd. Well, yeah, because they failed, and he will probably – see, that's <laughs> right. the thing. I don't think he's appealing to anyone right now, but I think the idea is they want him to be right, popular right, right, with, right. With, with, with a younger demographic. Um and and may and I think that that's his ceiling. And you know, you 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 nailed it. Like that was kind of what he was as a young lion. You knew he was goofy, and he had an underdog charm to him. And that was where that crowd connection came from. He's not going to get past this level. All right, let's move on to the Never Open Weight Championship match. A match that I'm really looking forward to here: Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb. Another huge spot for the Empire guys. Uh, another potential loss for the Empire guys, but would it shock you or stun you if Jeff Cobb wins this title here? No, I think I think he'll win. Um, I have an interesting question to pose to you. Do you think Cobb is getting this title match instead of Ocon because they see Ocon above never already? Yeah. It's kind of like Ocon's yeah. no, for sure. level. Yeah, no, like, definitely. We're not going to bog him down with that with that mid card title. We're just going to get him right in there with Tanahashi. Well, and and that's the thing that I think we've always when this never open weight title for a while we've always thought of it as like a stepping stone and like uh, you know uh, an ascension title. It's really not though. I mean, go look at the guys that have won this title. It's really not. It it you know Will obviously is maybe the one exception. He did you know win it in in you know twenty nineteen or whatever. But for the most part. It's not. I mean, Shibata, you could say that. But otherwise, it's Ishii, it's Makabe, it's Nagata. It was evil in 2016, but that's ancient history at this point. It's Taichi. Cobb's won it before as well. Kodo. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's not really like... It's not like the, the guys that win it aren't like on the on the precipice of superstardom. Right. It's right. not those guys. And, and and Cobb's already had it. You know what I mean? Like so I think you're absolutely onto something. I think that they think that there's higher hopes for him and they don't want him bogged down with the Never title. Which is wild right. to say, but that's where we're at. He's against fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi at the goddamn Tokyo Dome. Like, we're past the Never title. You know what I mean? We're over that. Yeah, like he's just skipping it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's nah, he's done yeah. with that. I mean Jay White didn't fuck around with the Never title. Yeah. Okada, I think that, Okada uh, wasn't, you know, rainmaking fucking Masato Tanaka to win the title. That's his right, ascension yeah. up the ladder. No. So. No, you're dead on. So um, I'm glad you agree on that point. Um, I also think being part of the Empire, 
I wasn't sure how Cobb would kind of fit in, but man, does it work because he just gets to be the stoic ass kicker who doesn't have to talk. And if you saw his, his Wrestle Kingdom presser, thankfully he never has to talk. And he doesn't have to be the lead guy. He could just settle in as the enforcer of the group while Ocon and Ospreay do all the talking and are the leaders and the clear stars. And he just comes across so much better to me as this than random Gaijin guy who wrestles in G1s. I think it has done a ton for the way he comes across. What do you think of that? No, absolutely. No, I, I, I think so. And yeah, he's a guy that's... It's, I feel bad for his promos because he's like a guy, he's like a super nice guy in real life. And I think that's probably what one of the issues is, is he doesn't ever feel like a pro wrestler. He doesn't have that sort of like, because he, he works like a pro wrestler. He looks like a pro wrestler. He's got all that, but he never, I don't know. Like he doesn't, I don't think he fully buys into like the, 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 the circus that is pro wrestling. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just think some guys can't cut promos. Yeah, and, and that's fine. And but this is perfect. He can he can he can look like a million bucks. He can look like a fucking like a literal truck and fold his arms and then beat guys up and 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 it's good. Yeah. So I think you you definitely you worked out the areas and then worked out the kinks that he's not very good at and and you're just going to be able to emphasize what he is good at and that what he's good at is looking like a million bucks and 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 being a, a big fucking brick shit house. So yeah, go for it. When you can't cut a promo, you make him a heel. You give him a manager. Yeah. And that's the equivalent of this. They made him a heel, and the other two guys do all the talking. So, um, it's 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 done well for him. I'm glad to see Shingo in an important match on the show, or just on the show. Period, because he's another guy who's got a very sketchy. Yeah. You know, last year he he um, what did he do last year? Because it was Goto and Kenta. He oh my god, you don't remember? You had a I think you we had oh, right. an hour long rant about this. He, he was in the Never thing, and then didn't even wrestle the next night. Remember? Yep, yep, a joke. So it's good to see Shingo, but again, I think this is his ceiling. They've gotten him to a certain level, and they're not going to go any further with Shingo. He's a never guy, and because um, he's not one of their own, and he's getting older, and it's just a waste of a resource, in my opinion. But they have, but they have their long term plans, and they stick to them. And it's not like they have any shortage of guys. So. It's hard to be super critical because they're going to push the right people and they're going to continue making a ton of money. But it is a waste of a resource because we know he could be a draw at the top level. I, I We know it. And the work is obviously there. Um, but he's not one of their guys and there's just other people in line and this is, this is going to be his ceiling. But this is kind of a sleeper match too. I'm really into all three Empire matches. I'm really yeah. into Empire right now. And they haven't been doing a lot of cheating and outside interference in the lead up. They're just beating people up and kicking people's asses and winning. And um I thought the Willow Spray sneak attack on Okada at the end of that one Corican show was so fucking awesome. Okada's checking on Tanahashi because they destroyed his leg again. And the Empire's leaving and the music's playing. And that little snake slithers back into the ring and delivers a hidden blade on Okada. And then Rich the imagery of Tanahashi and Okada. Yeah, laying on top of each other, dead. Dead. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Yeah. And that tells you all you need to know about what they think of these Empire guys. 
but it also tells me that I think Okada, that's why I think Okada and Tanahashi could both win. Yeah, right. I think yeah. The lasting image was those guys dead in the middle of the ring. So I think it's 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 pretty. It stands to reason they might get the revenge. But I don't know. It, 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 and that's why I'm interested in these matches too, because I think they're all three of them are coin flips, and I'm interested. In that. I like that idea of it. And and like you said, we're we're watching you know a unit ascend up the ladder and it's a unit that that kind of aligns with a lot of what we want out of our wrestling which is yeah like you said they're they're not cheating they're just being dickheads they're just being assholes and that's to me is always the best heel heat i will always always take a heel that's just a fucking pile of shit over a heel that needs to cheat to win like you know that the guy who who doesn't need to cheat but does anyway or the guy who wins a match and then decides i'll fucking cheap shot this guy afterwards just because i'm an asshole and that's, that's what it is yeah, that you're right. And that was a concern because we don't need another cheating unit. Um, there's enough of that. But we'll see. We could get burned here. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully not. We, we could get burned. <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And and I'm hopeful as well. We could get burned. I want a super cut of Hidden Blades. That move is so – it never doesn't look incredible. It's just – I watched Willow Spray versus Hiromu from last year the other night. and that He hits a Hidden Blade in that match. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it just – Every time he hits that move, it's like it, like every time I look at my observer like a word ballot, I'm like mm, best wrestling maneuver. It's like oh, hidden blade, of course. Like it, 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 I don't think anything comes close. It's just such a great move. And some, what's cool about that move too, and what's masterful about it is that the way that because Will will then, you know, the way he hits it, he'll also kind of fall on the guy too, so the guy knows when to take the bump too. Which mm-hmm. is important because it's not like some moves are real clunky and weird and the guy doesn't. But the reason everybody looks like great when they take the hidden blade is because when they take it, he kind of will shove them down as he goes down as well. So everybody always looks the same. It's consistent. It always looks like death. Oh, it's it's perfect. It's a great, great move. I'm glad, uh, it, glad he added that. It, to the... It's so good and looks so good that all those nerds thought he really knocked out Abushi with it. <laughs> right, right. When Abushi really got knocked out on that corner post spot right. a few minutes earlier, when he hit his head on the um, what do you call it? corner post, right? What do you yeah. call that? The fucking steel, whatever. Yeah, the post. I would say the post. Yeah, the turnbuckle post or whatever. I mean, that's where he got knocked loopy. But but the hidden blade looks so awesome that people thought he knocked him out with the hidden blade. But what a happy accident because it got the hidden blade over yes. instantly. Yes, that's one of those happy accidents in wrestling. The guy was already unconscious. But then it looks like this nuke, and it's like the first time he did it, I think, or maybe, I don't know, someone will correct me if it wasn't. But it was still a new move. He hits this fucking thing, and it looks like it killed the guy. So it instantly gets the move over. So sometimes in wrestling, you luck out, and you take advantage of the circumstances. Evil versus Sonata. I think it has a chance to be good. I mean, I'm trying to be hopeful. It's like... Do I give a fuck about either one of these human beings or their wrestling characters? I should say I don't like I'm indifferent on Sonata. I'm not a vocal Sonata hater. I'm going to circle back to a point I made earlier tonight or freakishly early this morning. It's Sonata. I don't hate him. I'm disappointed in him. I want him to get to the next level and be that guy. It's just man was that G1 a letdown. I mean, show some kind of fire and heart, you know, underneath the fucking cold skull gimmick. Evil, no use for it. No use for the gimmick. He's fine as a wrestler. I, I, no use. Sonata, I'm disappointed in. Could they surprise? Look, I'm trying to be optimistic because I know you're about to bury it. <laughs> I'm not even going to bury it. I just don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm just already bored. I'm already bored by it. I know what it's going to yeah. be like. I don't even want to invest 10 minutes into it because I know goddamn well 
what's going to happen, and it's going to not be very exciting for those 10 minutes, and a bunch of people on Twitter are going to tell me, but Japanese fans think it's great, and I'm going to go, I don't care because I'm bored. Like it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just annoying. I'm just so sick of this match and these guys and this feud and just everything that goes around with it, and I just want to have it happen and be done and then move on and never have to talk about it again. So Possible angle to come out of it, or I, I don't know. Um, you know, an obvious match to make. I don't have a ton to add <laughs> Well, I think, like, well, the, the thing, and I'm right with you, too. The thing, the reason why I'm so annoyed at Sonata is because I wanted so much more from this guy. And I see how much is there. And I see it's like, bro, you look like a million bucks. You have everything. But you're missing it. You don't have it. And but it's that's always so frustrating. I know. it's so, And, like, we're going to learn at some point. It's been, like, a decade now of me being like, I don't know. Say a Sonata looks like he's got it, and he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He's got everything else but it, and he's never going to have it. And that's annoying because you see this guy come out, and you always get sucked into it because he comes out, and you're like, my God, look at that man. Like That is a wrestler. That guy looks like a fucking pro wrestler. He, come, he looks like he comes out of a factory of how to make pro wrestlers, and he gets in there, and he just has boring, mundane matches, and you add in the evil stuff, and it's just like, I just, I'm, I don't, I'm already annoyed about the 25 minutes this match is going to go. I just ugh, the discourse around it's going to be annoying. I'm just ready for it to be done. So there. I mean, he couldn't get over to hump in all Japan. He couldn't get over to hump and wrestle one. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. If you can get over everywhere, then you can get over anywhere, right? But it's like, doesn't it work the same the other way around? Like, if you struggle, yeah, to get over the hump everywhere then isn't that going to be the case anywhere? Um, he's a weird guy. He's like avant-garde. You see the way he dresses mm-hmm. and how he carries himself. And he's kind of a different kind of thinker and a different kind of, he's just a, he's an eclectic sort of dude. And again, I don't know what his ambition is. I don't know what his ambition levels are. I don't know if he necessarily cares about things like he must on some level. He went to America because he wanted to make it in WWE. And again, he couldn't get over the hump, right? He couldn't get past impact. He couldn't get past the indies yeah. and impact. It's another example of him just not being able to get over the hump. WWE, he wanted to go there and they took a look at that specimen of a male and said, no, thanks. Think about that. I mean, he's everything they look for, particularly in international wrestlers, height, size, muscular, good-looking, right? They'd normally be all over a guy like that. They took a look at him and passed. All Japan couldn't get over the hump. Wrestle one. Okay, granted, young wrestler at the time. Wrestle one. Main event of the first show against Kai. Well, not the main event, but the match, they put them together. You get what I'm saying. They wrestled each other because it was, we're going to build this company around Kai and Sonata couldn't get over the hump. Even when the opportunity was being handed to him, couldn't get over the hump in America and struggling to get over the hump. Now, this is why I am not as bullish on Sonata anymore. I was years ago, but his performances have kind of made me question whether he can get over that hump in this company. I think they want him to, but that G1 performance is going to stick in my mind. He was yeah. so listless. And it was supposed to be – look, people thought he was going to win it. 
He was the favorite going into that thing in a lot of people's minds. And his performances, is anyone saying, ah, Sonata should have won the G1? No. 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 But you should be. If he would have grabbed it by the fucking throat and gotten in there and showed some fire and some heart and some desire and some ambition as a guy who wants to be the top guy and be the fucking man. But did he ever show you that? No. Totally listless. Okan has showed you more in four months. And this guy, they want him to get there. He just isn't, I don't know if he has it in him. Yeah, I don't either. So I question whether he'll ever get over the hump because he's never shown me that he can. And I'm annoyed with this guy because I don't like being wrong. And years ago, I said he would get there. And and it, and now I have a lot of questions. Move on to uh, final two matches here of, of, of night two. We have Taiji Ishimori versus the winner of Hiromu and El Phantasmo. I'm you and I are both I think in agreement that Hiromu is going to win this match. Go on to face Taiji Ishimori and win the title uh, in what should hopefully be a pretty good match. These guys usually, uh, especially in these big spots, have great matches. Ishimori is a guy who can come and go effort wise, but I think in this fucking semi main event of Night Two of Wrestle Kingdom against Hiromu Takahashi in a Junior Heavyweight Championship match that he's going to bust his ass. Uh, we know Hiromu is going to be one hundred and fucking ten percent effort, so uh, I'm excited about that match. Uh, I would be way less excited if it was Fantasmo uh, and Taiji Ishimori, but yeah, this is a huge spot. There's no way that Hiromu is not in this spot, and I don't think there's any way that Hiromu doesn't leave this night uh, as champion. Be very weird to have bullet club tag team partners against each other in a clap crowd Tokyo Dome. It'd be very bizarre. So, um, I'm curious if they do some sort of angle or something with ELP. At the, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious how all that plays out. But the obvious, you know, since Hiromu hasn't been champion in a while, he should just win both of these matches and win the title. Yeah, he's one of the then, biggest stars. It's a semi main event yeah. of night two. I mean, it's it's so obvious. Yeah, and then set up a long-term, year-long feud with these two guys, but predominantly ELP. And then our main event, we talked a little bit about this already. This is Naito or Kotobushi versus Jay White. I think you and I, I think, are in both agreement that Kotobushi wins night one. You have him winning everything, so... I think he's winning both. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm more of a toss-up on this night. I really, I don't want to... I think, okay, if I was a betting, I would probably go 60, uh, 65% Kotobushi winning this thing. I can't let the Jay White thing out of my mind. I can't let that, I mean, that just, it's a lot of heat. But I, you're right, the Kotobushi story, that's a lot of defeats in a short amount of time, in a year uh, for this guy. So you're the, the most obvious story is that Kotobushi avenges all that happened to him this year. Losing both matches, losing the briefcase, and wins the titles here. Holds up both titles, ends up the night as you know the double champion. The Jay White's. I mean, that's a lot of heat to have Jay White steal this dude's briefcase and then win his titles. But I mean, if there's anybody that would lose after one night, Kodobushi is the guy that would do it, right? Yeah, it's again, it, it's how far do you want to extend the Kodobushi pain? And at some point, do you go too far and it jumps to shark? Yeah, right. Do you – you don't want to Tyler Black him, right? So to me, this is the peak and this is the perfect setup, which is why I would just do it now. But you're not wrong in that Jay White is the ultimate spoiler. But then I think you're just – all right, now you're just – if if Abushi loses to Jay White, I really have to question whether they're ever going to belt him up. Yeah, that might be it then. 
you know, and maybe my read is wrong on that and they're just never going to and his story is just going to be the guy that couldn't get there because this is the perfect – you're not going to have a better setup than this one. And I think that if Jay White wins and then Kota Ibushi beats him at fucking Dominion or New Beginning and wherever the fuck. That's a town in Japan, by the way. I looked that up. Wherever the fuck. All one word. It doesn't – why do that? Just do it now. Yeah. On the biggest stage. I think that would be a mistake. So I, I, I think it's now or never. And if they don't do it, I don't see a point in doing it somewhere else down the – wait, going to tell the same G1 story with Kota Ibushi again? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it, it's so – it's, it's, This is the setup. It's right in front of us. It, it feels fairly obvious to me. Kind of like you try to talk yourself out of Naito last year, but that was the story. And we knew deep down that's what they're going to do. I think it's the, the same thing this year. So that's that. That's Wrestle Kingdom. In under the gun, too. In under the gun. A little. I was a little worried there when you were on an impassioned Sonata rant with five minutes or with six minutes left. I was like, "Ooh, boy, I don't know about that." But we got it. We. It helps that both the final two matches are oars, where like you pretty much already talk about them with night one. Right. Um, to me, on paper, I think night one blows night way uh, night two away. But night two will have the same the, the the bigger stakes in terms of being definitive title matches, definitive you know coming out of this night. We will know now who both of these champions are and who this champion is and all that sort of stuff. But I like night one a lot more on paper. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I think both nights are going to be pretty solid. So hopefully, night one's the better night on paper easily. It's hard when you have six spots that are question marks on night two, but. Even projecting out the best possible scenario for the six mystery wrestlers, night one is still better on paper. Yeah, I, I'd agree. So yeah. that's that. We'll have reviews up at uh, VoicesWrestling.com, previews up uh, as well. Uh, audio content to be decided. We'll, uh, we'll let you know when we know. But uh, it's a weird week, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. But uh, keep an eye out for that without saying anything for sure. We, we don't know. We'll see. Wrestle Kingdom being on a Monday and a Tuesday uh, adds a little bit of wrinkles to uh, – what we can do, but we'll see. Anyway, voicewrestling.com slash books to download the ebook. Voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Get on that Patreon. Retro content. Some surprises along the way in January uh, as well. Voicewrestling.com for uh, all of our previews, reviews. Uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, but don't follow us and just delete Twitter off your phone. Uh, and voicewrestling.com slash Discord uh, as well, which is uh, our great chat, which I'm sure will be fired up and ready to go uh, during both nights of Wrestle Kingdom. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.